Welcome to the one within all to another episode of Interverse Podcast. And the uh, man that you see next to me here probably needs no introduction. But that being said, get your biscuits ready because we're about to ladle all the most delicious gravy that we can get out of Owen Benjamin, the comedic crusher, piano virtuoso, life affirming tribe leader. You know, despite the attempts to uh, cancel him, he's got the best community probably in the entire internet, way better than all the fake woke competition. So many things I'd love to talk about with him. I got to give a shout out to Topher Gardner for putting us in contact. Big thanks to that guy. But I'll keep the How great is he? He's awesome. We got to meet in in person because he moved near my area and he's actually moving closer to me now. You're in Missouri? Yeah. Dude, and we're having a, a bear. The, our first Bertaria Times National Festival is in Missouri, Labor Day weekend. You should go. I heard that there's a 20% chance you're going to show up. 20%. Yeah, 20%. <laughs> I mean, dude, like this is where I live. So this is my, you know, my setup. And I got so many animals that I have to milk every single day. And like, trust me, I want to go. But like this, like where where I live is is the dream, but also um, really dampers my ability to travel because I'm trying to figure it out. But it's like my my cow is so irrational with people she doesn't know. Like she just kicks the shit out of anybody she doesn't know. So I can't get anybody to milk my cow. So it's uh, I'm trying to figure it out though. Well, you got the you are pretty much on track, right? You've got your child labor force. You're training them, yeah, making them stronger, exactly. setting up your army, right? I, I swear to God, I am like, I, I saw the way like people thought I was crazy just because I saw shit coming to uh, ahead of time. And I'm like, there's going to be a massive labor shortage. There's going to be a food shortage. I have to make labors with my penis. Um, and that's what I did, you know, and my wife is even part mestizo. So I can actually make the claim that I made my own Mexicans. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, it's great. You know, yesterday I had him picking all the cherries and it's, yeah, but they're not ready for the cow yet though. My, my six-year-old is, I mean, cows are 1500 pounds and the, my cow is that's in milk right now has a, a calf. And so they can get, they can get wild and you have to be able to dominate a giant animal. So that's why I'm teaching them on uh, goats right now because little kids are so sweet. You know, he's always saying sorry to the goat. I'm like, you have to dominate the goat. You know, like if you don't, they, they don't, it's not like they respect it. They, they need like their whole world is headbutting and, and, you know, eating grass. So you have to move one, go bring another one in. And I have them. I'm like a goat whisperer. I got it down where I can call them by name. They come single file. I, I milk nine every morning, but like, um, and they're really small animals. Like those goats are only like 80 pounds, 90 pounds. And so I think it's the perfect animal to teach uh, a young one about, um, you know, controlling an animal. But a cow is like death, you know? Yeah, it's a little dangerous. I like what you were saying just the other day about showing your son what it's like to be yelled at and that yeah, yelling yeah. isn't bad. And like that's part of the dominating the goat thing. That's pretty helpful because we have such a snowflake society. Yeah, and to not do it in an emotional way because, like, uh, path- pathology comes from emotion, like pathological. Like, if you're actually really angry, is the worst time to yell with your kid. The best is, um, is, is like you almost tell him. Like I told him this morning, like he's get he already knows all the goats' names this morning. It's awesome. 
but he's like, okay, do your loud voice and I'll name the, the, the goats. And so it's all about controls. Like I'm not mad at him. I'm just like, so I'm like, what are the goats names? Tell me the goats names. And he's like, Daisy, Betsy. I'm like, faster, faster. And so the whole point I'm trying to um, teach him is to not engage on the level on the intensity level that I'm at to like stay calm and just think, even though someone's being loud. And uh, yeah, the snowflake world, that's why, that's why people think kids have ADD is because their focus isn't being snapped back into place. You know, the woman is supposed to um, keep them safe and, and nourish them and, and make them good people and like nice. And the man is to be like, keep your eye on it. Don't look away. You know, now go. And that's pretty much what makes a kid not have quote unquote ADD. And so our, our culture is like, uh, instead of, they call that abuse. They're like, oh, if you talk loudly or affirmatively to a boy, that's abusive. So here's some methamphetamines for the kid. You know, and I'm like, that's the upside down. It's like the upside down is getting so much more prominent that those of us willing to stay in the right side up, I think the future is extremely bright. Absolutely could not agree more. It's actually one of the greatest times to be alive ever because the whole yeah. thing is destroying itself. It's self cannibalizing. Yeah. There was yeah. no time in my life. That's why the young people that, that listen to my stream are so pumped. Cause so many of them are like, you know, I understand the resentment towards the boomers because they had this prosperous society and they just got BJs and Buicks and thought they ran to the moon and they're just horrible. But uh, not all of them, some <laughs> of them are cool, but most of the time they're like, we got grit. We went to the moon. You know, I got four, you know, and they don't, they don't, they don't teach their kids anything. And then they mock their kids. They're like, these millennial snowflakes don't even know how to change oil. And I'm like, did you teach them how to change the oil? They're like, no, I was getting blowjobs. I'm like, you're terrible. But anyway, the good news about the young generation is they have better opportunities than I ever had because this, this Goliath that's been sitting on all these industries is dying. And so anything a young person wants to do, there's nothing holding you back. It appears it's everything's inverted. It appears like everything's falling apart and your future is going to suck and all that. It's literally the opposite, that if you show up and you have a good work ethic and you um, understand that all these giant institutions that when I was a kid, there was no penetrating them. Like if you didn't go to Yale, you weren't being in media, you know, and now it's like. I'm watching just t TikTok kids that are interesting, just blowing up bigger than CNN. And I'm like, dude, this is an opportunity. You just got to stay healthy and grateful and, and just keep crushing, you know? Yeah. The mainstream, their numbers are so bad at this point. They had to turn off the thumbs down counters for, for uh, uncle hair sniff. <laughs> yeah, that's why they had to ban me. It's a, a lot of people don't realize it's all about competition. It's like, if they feel like you can actually compete with them, and they can get an angle on you that they've um, that they've used culturally. They will just try and get you banned. They'll be like, "Oh, you're a bigot," or like whatever. <laughs> and you're like, "Are you sure it isn't because I was getting fifty thousand live viewers on YouTube? You sure that's not the reason? Oh, it's because you're so like guys at CNN were caught whacking off on, like with their coworkers. Like they're disgusting human. Unlike beings. Zoom calls and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. No, they're they're so disgusting, and they're they're. You know, half of them have been like accused of, you know, rape. They're just, they're all drunks. And so they'll, but they take this moral high ground with someone like me. They're like, oh, I don't like his joke. I'm like, I've never even been accused of a misdemeanor. Like I'm 
happily married. I'm like a good guy. People really like my stream. So why exactly am I not a lot on YouTube? They're like, because it's hate. I'm like, you sure it's not called competition? And so that dragon, and, and so, but the good news about the censorship is uh, it, it got me to build my own shit. And now I'm actually uh, doing better. And it's, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I miss being on YouTube with the reach it had, but um, you know, I'm, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm actually have a more stable income now. And it's uh, the, the future is a lot brighter now. Cause I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been pushed to make my own social media, like the Bertari times app that we have and all that. And people are getting married off that. They're starting families and businesses and farms. Like we have like 20,000 people on our own social media app now. And I never would have done it if they didn't kick me off Twitter, but yet they have hardcore porn on Twitter. Like no problem. You know, just watch as much pornos as you want, but you can't listen to a dude's joke that actually became, I know I'm just rambling a little bit. I'll, I'll calm down, but I, I'm a little fired up. No, that's thing. what we want. Uh, you know, like the thing that got me kicked off Patreon in writing, they wrote to me was that I was mocking victims of sexual assault. And my joke was, you know, it was dramatic irony. I'm like, I went to one of these feminist rallies and I'm like, ladies, stop being so thirsty. You know, like be a little, don't be so aggressive sexually. You know, like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I just went on Twitter and I saw what you guys have been tweeting. And frankly, it's a little aggressive sexually. And they're like, what, what did you see? And I'm like, pound me too. Everywhere you go, it's pound me too. Pound me too. Enough is enough. Pound me too. <laughs> And and then the joke, the audience laughs, and I say, uh, and this is four, four or five years ago. This is five years ago. And I'm like, I, I found out later that they call it a hashtag. In my generation, it's called a pound sign. If you're screaming pound me too in public, someone's going to pound on you, you know? And so that was the big thing that got me kicked off Patreon. And then three, four years later, it's now hacky. You know, you go on TikTok, and there's – Tons of people doing the same joke with like 60,000, 100,000 hearts. Like girls are doing the joke. It's just an obvious joke. But because I did it during their PSYOP, you know, it, it, it just ruined the whole thing. It's kind of like my uh, LGBT joke or my Caitlyn Jenner woman of the year hasn't been a woman for a full year. I did that in a special in 2018, got kicked off PayPal, all that stuff. Dave Chappelle does it in a special in 2021. And he's hailed as, you know, this uh, anti-woke knight. And I'm you like, know, I actually clipped that. It's about a minute and 20 seconds from your talk with Brewer. Yeah. I wanted to show people that real yeah, quick show since it. you're on it. Yeah, show that in there. This stand-up piece, just, just, Mike, can you play the stand-up piece where it's him and Chappelle pretty much saying the identical thing? Benner is woman of the year, but hasn't been a woman for a full year. Look at the time, everyone. 2018. Jenner was voted Woman of the Year. Her first year as a woman. This is who I feel bad for. Because you got the LBGT, right? Yeah. I deserve there's more every day. Right now. But I'll tell you what happened. You know, you hear all those letters together all the time. LBGT, LBGT. It all started with the L's. Of course, next to the G's and passenger seat is the L's. Oh, great. And then the B's came in. The B's threw people for a loop because you never really know if you can go camping with them, but they're cool. Like, you know, they're like, we'll bet anybody. They're like, anybody? They're like, 
thing that the L's and the G's agree on is that the B's are fucking gross. His version isn't even funny. You know what I mean? He's just sitting in the backseat like, yeah, man, I'll fuck anybody in this car. What's going on, man? Yeah, yeah. So you're muted right there. I'm going to text you another one right now. I don't know if you can get this on your thing, but uh, they do it to me all the time. I found one just yesterday. What they do is they take a joke with the fundamentals that I get the big laughs at because now I'm kicked off everything, so I can't, you know, defend myself. Even though these are the people that are always saying, oh, speak for the people that can't speak. Okay, well, do you want to hear my side? <laughs> and so what they do is they take the jokes and they cuck them. So I said Caitlyn Jenner was voted woman of the year, hasn't been a woman for a full year. Dave Chappelle takes that and then but commits to the pronoun nonsense where it goes, Caitlyn Jenner, woman of the year, but she... Hasn't been a woman for a full year. So they're doing their, their normalization, you know, and, and uh, they do it all the time. Same with the LGBT stuff. Like, so I was, my joke, the entire purpose of the joke was you get to the T's and the T's are fucking nuts. You know, they're like, we're going to chop our cocks off. We're going to burn everything to the ground. And my whole point was it is a slippery slope. Like the L's are the least crazy. You know, they're driving Subarus, they're knitting sweaters, you know, no one's that freaked out by the L's and then it keeps going. Then you got the G's. They're kind of like the L's, but they like are really into real estate and cocaine and marble. And then the B's, you know, and you just keep going, but the T's have no connection whatsoever to reality. And then after the T's, you got the Q's and the A's and the I's, and then you get to the P's, you know, the pedophiles. And uh, so my whole point was if you have this moral uh, regression, it does slippery slope to hell. And uh, Dave's joke was the exact opposite. Like his, per, his, the point of his joke was that they're all in it together. And so they do it over and over and over. They'll take one of my jokes and premises and then they will, like, did you, did you get the one I just texted you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm uploading it right now to my interface. So it's probably. Okay. Like, uh, let me uh, preface this one a little bit. So I did a joke about uh, male versus female friends. And so this kind of chubby soy boy that I'm, you're about to show uh, does the bit that women make better friends. <laughs> but he uses the first half of my joke. The second half is about why women don't make the best friends. And uh, and so they, these guys keep getting their little lollipops and the pat on the head saying, oh, you did so good. You know, you cucked yourselves. Um, but it's not true. And so when you're when you're that detached from truth, you just end up, you know, in an alley with a lollipop in your mouth and your pants around your ankles. <laughs> okay. So I'm ready to pull this up. Hold, here we go. Let's take a look. Make sure the volume's good. It's why women make better friends, right? They support each other. Something goes wrong. Women rally. Jenny's got an issue. We're going to get some wine and we're going to work it out. <laughs> Guy friends scatter in times of crisis. How's Mark? I don't know. He's been acting weird, so I stopped calling him. Like women are more communist as a gender, and men are more capitalist as a gender. Like women, female friendships have a zone, and no one rises or falls in that zone. 
It's true. This is where they are. No one can go above a seven or below a seven in happiness. It's a fact. If one girl is having a bad night, you will never see a more supportive group of people than other women. Like, when it's like, I can't believe Brian brought this new girlfriend. Literally, it's just Voltron. All the other women are just like, get the ice cream, quick your tears, keep everyone away from Tina. Let's go to the bathroom. You are a beautiful girl. You deserve better. Fuck you, we're going home. Right? Boom. You ever see that with men? Never, never. We'll let people fall constantly. <laughs> so it's like, Todd just went to a breakup. He can't stop talking about it. No calm. He's being a fucking weirdo. <laughs> oh, he just got fired. He's going to have me pay for everything. Nah, fuck yeah. <laughs> but the flip is true. And that's why women kind of screw themselves in the workplace. There's this big mystery. Like, why are aren't women president? Why aren't there more CEOs and shit? You guys think it's us holding you back. It's not. It's you guys holding yourselves back. Like when a man spots another man with skill and power, we try to align ourselves with them and support them. That's why we're a capitalist gender. He's the fastest. Make him captain. Fuck yeah, he's my best friend. He's the fastest guy. He's captain of the football. <laughs> women, you ever see that? A girl lose 30 pounds, become hot. Look at how hot Tina is. Yeah, Tina has herpes. You know that? <laughs> no. She slept with, uh, yeah, she slept with Debbie's boy, but I don't say that. She's, she lost weight because she's gone through some really hard times. I think she's just okay. All right, so you see what they did. So the setup they just took, and now they're like, oh, women are so much better than men. Ugh. But they're not, though, because women uh, will, ha- it's communism. It's like if you fall, they'll, they love it. They love victims. But if you rise, they get very intimidated. And so that's how comedy is just becoming total shit is they take, they take, and, and my bit that I, that you just showed got millions of views on YouTube before it was taken down. I had a hundred million views on YouTube and just one of my channels and they scrubbed it. And then anyone who uploaded it, they scrubbed it <laughs> because they're like, Oh no, we're going to steal this joke. And I know I sound paranoid, but I'm not, there's no way these are just coincidences. And uh, and then they cuck the joke and make them bad. And then they serve the agenda that men are bad, you know, and it's just so stupid. It's just so degrading. You know, the one thing about it that makes it so funny is the hardcore truth that the feminization of society is what is marching us to communism. Yeah, and that's like not a popular thing to talk about. Maybe taboo that there's even such a thing as a difference between male and female psychology. But you can have that conversation without being degrading to either gender. It's just reality. Of course. Like my wife has one of the happiest lives of any woman I know. And she's married to such a, a you know, it, it's it, okay. So women put social cohesion over truth and conflict. That's a reality. So women would rather, and you need that in your life. Like if the world was only men, it would also be a nightmare. It wouldn't, we need that balance. So the male will put a hard truth and the ability to have conflict over, um, you know, over social cohesion. And you need that. And then the woman will be the opposite, that they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but no one rises, no one falls. And so you can't have a functioning society with that as a leadership quality. And so that's why together it's so good, where you have the male doing the confrontation, the hard truths, and the woman, you know, texting everyone after, making sure everyone's okay. Like I used to do so many jokes about men and women that I, I know why they scrubbed it from the internet. Cause it's so applicable now. It's like, like, like when two women fight, you don't even know they're fighting. They're just like, Oh, you didn't bring any wine. That's totally fine. Come on in. 
I guess you didn't read the email, you know? And, and a woman's like, Oh my God, she's being such a bitch. And the man's like, why? She's being very nice. Cause a man would be like, you didn't bring wine, go get wine. What you're not going to drink my fucking wine, you know? And so that's, so, and so now it's become so macrocosm that uh, people aren't going to have heat or food. And that's why I have my own organic farm. It's like, I'm surrounded by neighbors that I know. We all defend ourselves. We can all go hunting. We, I have like, you know, because I know the whole thing's going down. You can't have the feminized man like Macron or Biden or any of these people or actual women like the bisexual head of Finland or any of these people. It's just like they don't function as heads of state. And people call that sexist, but that's like saying if a man can't have a baby, he's failing or something. It's like we're not... We're not made to do the same thing. It's like the sun and the moon. It's like positive cathode, negative cathode. Like you got to have both. You have to have the night cycle and the day cycle. And so to reject that is to reject reality, which will lead to your own destruction. And so I know the shit's going down because when you're dealing with people that are saying like, you know, sodomy should be exalted and family should be humiliated. You're gone. You're already, you're already gone. And people want to say like, Oh, why are you being so, you know, so judgmental? I'm not, you know, I was a touring comic for 16 years. Like I'm not exactly squeamish about sexual promiscuity. You know, I'm not like this. <laughs> I wasn't raised in some mega church or some shit. My, my dad was a college professor. I was a, I used to open for Julio Iglesias, you know, but I understand reality because I'm a truther and a comedian. And the only thing that comes from a butt is poop and a baby will never come from an anus. And that stuff drives people insane. They're like, oh, no, it's, oh, no, I can have a family. I'm like, dude, as much as you fuck a butt, you're never going to get a baby coming out of that thing. And they're like, how dare you? How fuck? I'm like, all right. It's a weird thing, too, because it goes back way farther than people realize. Like, you look into alchemical texts and secret occult grimoires, and it's always the same. The magic is in the butt creating the anal homunculus and all this shit. Yeah, yeah. Tell me some gravy about that. Like, so what, cause I know sex magic in, involves the, the ass. So why is it because it's so inverted? Like, it's like kind of like uh, the Crowley reading backwards, walking backwards, all that shit. It's like, because it's clearly the opposite of a sex organ because it, there's something going on with that, with the ass. That's weird. Yeah. I can't say that it makes sense because it doesn't, can he, like it doesn't adhere to reality, but sort of the Crowley version of it is if you, you have to know the rules perfectly and then transcend them by breaking them or whatever. Oh, right, but right. yeah, it, it's, it doesn't really actually give you any power though. It's almost like, no, like you were saying, <laughs> I've heard you say this before, like whatever the maestro of the entire cosmos is, is a hum- humongous troll joke writer. And they're yes, like, yeah. And all I can see from it is that uh, this is something that I picked up from you, or at least interpret from you. I don't know if these are your exact words, but that sin is really simple. It's anything that makes you weaker. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah, I don't think people are really evil. I think they become weak and then infested by evil. Like, I, I'm actually not that judgmental, even though I sound super judgmental. I'm like, you know, uh, I think like, you know, drinking booze, like somebody was like, oh, this guy's dad was in the CIA. And I'm like, dude, I'm more, I think someone's more compromised when they're drunk than if they're in the CIA. Like if I'm around a CIA guy, I'm more comfortable than if someone's just hammered. 
You know, someone's just like, Ugh! because it's why it's called spirits. You know, you, you, you do sin and then you get invaded by like these like other entities, in my opinion. Because I, I, you know, having four little kids, it's like I've they, seen it, man. I I've seen it yeah. where like I've been at a big event before and had a stranger come up to me who's like shit faced drunk and say shit to me that they could have no way to know meant something very specific to me, like dark cool. synchronicity. Well, yeah, there is dark synchronicity, totally, dude. And you know, having so many little kids, like I don't believe in original sin. Like I consider myself Christian, but I have a few um, beliefs that kind of go outside the dogma and. Little babies are not born in sin. Like they're fucking awesome. And so uh, I think you, you hollow yourselves out and then something comes in you. Dude, I know there's demons. I got buddies. I have a lot of friends in law enforcement and they're like, everybody on meth sees the same shit. They're like, it's a green eyed shadow. And they're like, that doesn't make any sense. Like how do they all see the same fucking thing? And so many, and that's why it's called under the influence like, that's why I liked your uh, pod. That's why I reached out to you about how much I like that pod that you did with uh, Gardner because it's the words are, uh, they're telling you straight up what the fuck they're doing. Like the words are so blatant, you know, like under the influence when you drink spirits. It's like, it's right there, you know? Yeah. And it, I mean, just on a biochemical level, it makes sense too that if your body is some sort of like receiver of your consciousness or spirit, yeah. And that the blood is like the where it swims in, you know, the container for it. And you're diluting your blood with the alcohol. It's no longer able to contain or pick up the signal of you. That's why when you black out, you're still doing shit, but it's but you're not there, you know? Oh yeah. And the worst is uh like I used to drink Red Bull vodkas back in the day, and that was the worst because you're not there, but you're still animated. Because at least when you black out, you can like... Yeah, that's the walking dead. Yeah, yeah. And so um, that that's really weird. Dude, you want to hear something really interesting that one of the bears just wrote to me? Yeah. All right. And I want your opinion on this because um, I feel like you'd have a really good opinion on this. So when he wrote me this, this is just today. I couldn't believe how profound this was. He said... Um, cause he's been studying adrenaline addiction. He said, uh, been reading more about adrenaline addiction. It's worth rabbit hole. So much more is making sense. Um, all right. What does it say? It says people will search out anything for a rush, arguing, gambling, unsafe sex, unsafe driving, working after procrastinating. So it feels rushed, lying, self-destructive behavior. Uh, people will become bored and anxious when there's, uh, when there's peace. So they'll create chaos and panic and start creating false narratives in their head and then act out on those narratives. It's an active hunt for any form of dysfunction to set off a fight or flight. Uh, crazy part about people getting wigged out about the Q narrative and adrenochrome uh, being consumed by the elite. Adrenochrome is adrenaline that's been released in the body and everybody calling them demonic for using it are actually addicted to adrenochrome. Constantly chasing that high through the destruction of order for peace and calm. And this is the thing that I found fascinating. And one of the reasons why I think I was so banned. Um, that's why they shut down real comedy. It snaps you out of the fight or flight so you can see clearly. Laughing calms the vagus nerve, which connects to every organ in the body and is in charge of all these responses. It literally breaks the fear spell and lets your body relax which then calms your mind when you laugh. A true belly laugh resets the entire parasympathetic nervous system 
instantly. That's why they say laughter is the best medicine. It's like when you laugh, like a genuine laugh, your body stops with the trauma cycle. And so many people, because I'm guilty of this too, especially right after I stopped touring um, when I was kicked out of Hollywood, I found myself doing shit like keeping my car almost at empty. <laughs> like I was like almost out of gas all the time because I felt alive. And it took me a few months to kind of get off that adrenaline cycle because my body was so used to, uh, you know, 500 strangers, six shows a weekend. It's like very, you know, very traumatic. I loved it, but it's like, you know, your instincts about being in front of 500 strangers and have to make them laugh for a full hour and then over and over and over and over and over again is, um, is high adrenaline. And so when that was gone for me, I started realizing that I, I, I was like doing things that were stressful for no purpose, you know? Yeah, that's really interesting. But back to like the whole need the sun and the moon, masculine, feminine balance yeah. of the yin and yang thing. Even the adrenaline has a purpose. It's just when it's like, Definitely. when you think about the, the vampires that are like trying to gobble that shit up and harvest it and whatever, in a way, it's like they're trying to swing the, t- the scales into them being the ones who are the hyper masculine, hyper active, hyper powerful ones and everybody else in the feminized, communized slave mentality, creating that master slave dynamic. But, you know, you need <laughs> it's like that universe 25 thing. If everything was just perfect, have you heard of that? No, but it sounds like the mouse utopia experiment. Isn't that what it, I think that's what it's called? Universe 25. Oh, cool. that's the, the mouse utopia. Yeah. Where they repeated the experiment over and over again. They create the perfect environment for the mice and they just go apeshit and kill each other and yeah, stop having gay cannibals. <laughs> exactly. Literally. Yeah. It's no, like that's that's baked into the whole thing that we need. You need maximum effort sometimes. And adrenaline is part of that maximum effort uh, expression. So the key is to also have the laugh. Like I had a teacher when I was a kid, one of my favorite teachers said, you need to laugh seven and a half times a day to be healthy. <laughs> and then we'd always laugh because like, what's half a laugh? We're little kids, but I think it's both. You want some of both. You just don't want to be constantly redlining, red bulling in the massive adrenaline, like trying to get away with shit. Cause that's not spiritually healthy either. In fact, part of what gives people that rush is feeling like I'm getting away with it, whatever it is they're doing. But, you know, it goes right into this idea of like watchers and people being afraid and concerned for their privacy. Well, in the spiritual sense, there's no privacy. You always see what you're doing. There's no getting away with anything. Exactly. I've never been worried about that because I always feel like we call it the Akashic record or God's, you know, record or whatever. It's like uh, you get away with nothing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. the, The universal ether is the Akashic record, is spirit, is memory of everything and for me like the most interesting stuff that i do outside of podcasting is i use tuning forks to balance people's energy out and it's a trip dude because they'll be like they might be in like australia and i'm waving tuning forks around in my living room on a zoom call and then i can tell them stuff about their life history and about their current health that's awesome yeah, it's because universal ether knows everything and records everything and your body is a vessel for it the ether can't be separated. It's in a dimension of existence beyond any concept of like this or that. It's the one, it's the all. Yeah, so yeah, totally. the ether in you is the whole ether, the universe is inside you type idea. And like the more that you can get a language 
going that communicates with your body, you can actually like tap into knowing stuff. That's what psychic being psychic is. Even what synchronicity is, is your body already knows everything. And it's just trying to find a way in the universe too. It's just trying to put you into situations where you can bridge that gap and communicate with the, the all. Bro, 100%. That's why I'm getting to a point where I don't know how conscious these jokes are even being stolen. You know, because at first it's so obvious, because as a comic, you know, people would sit at the back of clubs and steal jokes, and that really is a thing, and it sucks, and people just kind of do that. But I don't know. I've gotten closer to what you just described in the last few years to the point where sometimes I'm like, I didn't even write it. I just kind of dipped my cup into some shit I don't understand And then out came this great joke. And then if someone's vibration is worse, what if they dip their cup in and get some shittier version of it? You know, it's we. I think Chappelle's was stolen, but I don't. But I keep seeing these like um, the wig thing. Yeah, like that, the wig thing. What's your opinion on that? Okay, so (laughs) I actually have a pretty good opinion on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you on the whole like. It could be dark synchronicity. It could be their gremlins trying to like fuck with you. But on one level, even the demons serve God, right? Yeah. So it's a matter of like, if you get phased by it, then that's a teaching moment. So you learn not to be phased. Or if you look at it and you just laugh, like about the laugh at the synchronicity, then you're getting the joke. It's kind of like the difference between somebody that you rip on them and they get all offended versus yeah. you rip on them and they laugh with you. Totally. But okay. So. Joe Rogan and Duncan Trussell, the day after you wore wigs <laughs> with uh, Brandon, right? Colonial wigs, yeah. Yeah, colonial wigs. They put, they put them on for the Joe Rogan podcast the very next day. And it, you guys have been joked about. And this is a key point. Brandon on my stream said, when will Joe Rogan steal this bit? So that was during my stream. He said that. So that made it even more eerie. But okay, so I wasn't watching it live, but while I was listening to it, my lady sent me this picture of her dog. Let me pull this up while I was listening to you talk about it. Interesting. The dog has like fluff that it ripped out of a toy on its head here. That That's so creepy. Oh my God. Yeah. So to me, that was like the little cosmic wink. Like, no, it's just in the ether. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I'm, where I'm at now because I was doing some real thinking and, and kind of Shylock Holmesing about it. And, and there's no way he like stole that. Like, there's no way. Knowing what I know about just him and just basic rich people, there's no way sitting around watching my unauthorized and like, I'm going to do the wig. So that it has to be something else. So like, you're right. I should just be like, that's just funny. Like the next level, like sometimes I can, I can hold on to stuff. And me and Gardner were actually just talking the other day about what do we even own? You know, <laughs> like, what do we actually own? Like, what can we hold and say, this is mine? And his argument is nothing. Everything is from the creator. But then, you know, I start thinking, well, that sounds kind of commie gardener. But <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, what do we actually own? I, the concept of wearing a colonial wig on the 4th of July is clearly not mine. But Joe Rogan's 56 years old. He's done thousands of podcasts. He's never once done that. We do it exactly on the same day when there is a tension between me and Rogan as far as lifting material. and so. Yeah, I think it is just a wink. And maybe all synchronicity is light synchronicity. Maybe there isn't even dark. Maybe it's just like, you know, you're supposed to just giggle at it. You know, I don't know. I think so. At the end of the day, you get the choice one way or the other. And the free will thing is so interesting. So my way of maybe 
riffing on this idea is to just go into the concept of do we have free will or is there a some sort of predestined plan for us? This is what Gardner actually suggested we talk about. He calls it riffing in the spontaneous genius of now or like how when you're in the flow state, it's almost like that joke writer that is the creator of this construct is working through you. Yeah. So there's this moment in the flow state where it's like you're a collapsing of the separation between your individual free will and some kind of divine plan. Now, to me, at that point, it doesn't really matter which one it is, if it's you are the original one or some the or the original is working through you, because it feels like you're making it up as you go. And that's what consciousness is at its core. It's not just awareness, it's a feeling. So at that point where you feel like you're really making it up and you're in the zone, the flow, you're no longer divided from the source, the imagination of the universal ether that is the actual thing that's making it up. You are it. So at that, in that sense, like what do we actually own? I think we can say that we own what we create. Right. Maybe. And that would go for like our families, our, our body, or what we're responsible for. And it doesn't mean that you have to be like a, you know, a J about it, <laughs> you know, sharing, sharing whenever it's actually sharing or helping when it's actually your idea and what you want and what feels right, completely different than you must share. It's the rules, you know? Yeah. Cause I, I, I feel that way on a fundamental level, but then as you brought up, the J's are always trying to get us to think that we don't actually come up with anything and then they can just turn them into movies and make money on it. So there's a balance because it's like, yeah, you get in a flow state, reality collapses, there's no separation between consciousness. I get that. That happens to me like so much it's retarded. It, like to a point where my life has gotten very, very trippy, like almost psychedelic. That being said, the Jays want nothing more than for us to be like, oh yeah, we're all just dipping our cups into the same ether as they steal. And so, you know, that's that's where I'm at. That's why because it's like what Crow says, intent is everything. It is because it's like, I'd love to be on that level where I don't try to make claims on thoughts and, and I don't get bummed out when people, but part of me thinks it's almost like a test for me right now that they take my jokes and they make them shitty. And I just have to not be bummed out. Like I have to look at my giggling kids and you know, my life and not have vengeance in my heart. Cause sometimes I do. Sometimes I'm like, you know, it's like making a Fabergé egg and they just like start smashing it. And they're like, look, that's the egg. And I'm like, well, that's not it though. You made it bad. It's almost like, like, it's uh, like when my dad hears a really hilarious joke on the internet and then he tells the same joke, but he doesn't deliver it quite right. Yeah. You know, because totally. outside of you being a professional comedian, the concept of people stealing jokes from each other and telling that joke to each new person they meet, that's just like a, that's just a dad thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with you completely, but they don't allow me to keep mine on the internet. Right. That's the thing that is so weird. It's like, so let's say you tell a joke and then other people tell the joke. I don't mind that at all. For me, it's other comedians sell the joke. And then when I tell it, it's almost like they can charge me for it when I'm the one who made it up. And that's really weird. And also they don't allow my rendition of the original joke to be left up. So people can make their own decisions. You know, I wouldn't mind it nearly as much if it was just like mine were allowed to be up, but they took them all down. And I wonder 
What do you think the mechanism is for my extreme censorship? Like, I'm not even allowed on Airbnb. Like, what is that? Like, what do you think the mechanism is? That like a lesson I'm supposed to be taught about, you know, forgiveness or some shit? Or like, what's the fear they have of me? Oh, the fear that they have of you is that you're constantly revealing their the scheme. <laughs> you know, you see through the bullshit. It's it's just like any truth teller is a threat to false authority, but you do it in a way with the humor that gets people out of fight or flight. They see and think clearly when they're, you know, you're the Bertaria thing is just one of the most unbelievable communities ever. I love how whenever I see somebody with the bear suffix in their name, jump into a, a live chat of one of my things, I'm always just like, yeah, I'm sure that we can get along with, with this awesome, person. Dude. So for you, I don't know. I can't presume to understand the lessons that have been, Give, that are being given to you by the creator, but in the position that you're in with the the stature you have as a, as a being, you are able to show people the way how to do this without their old, their old bullshit systems, without the middlemen. Okay. So I talked to uh, Dylan Sicosio a lot. I you like know, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I think people don't quite always know or understand or, grasp what the deep meaning of his work is besides just syncretizing all the mythologies and going into the languages and showing how everything is going back to sun cults and how there's really no difference between any of the religions. If you know how to syncretize language, the point isn't to like take people away from the beauty of that symbolism in those systems. It's about abrogating the vampiric parasitic middleman yeah, exactly. The bridge. Pontifus Maximus means like chief bridge builder. <laughs> so the, these, the entire, what needs to be realized is that the entire, the entire false beast system, whatever you want to call it, in every different iteration of society that it manifests in, and it's everything, everything inverted is about putting the middleman, the middle manager between you and the source of something, between you and somebody else, mostly between you and the source, the source of your food, the source of the, of life, you know, the source yeah. of, of whatever. So what happens when you get kicked off of things like Airbnb yet, and you get, you know, banned from the major clubs, you end up doing shows in people's barns and this wellspring of a new community and a new type of commerce without the middlemen where it's actually predicated on people's friendships rather than on predators. Yeah. This is a whole different thing. And so I think that's why it's all gone the way it has for you. It's actually something I wanted to see if we could get into. It's in my notes anyway, is how you have an amazing ability to teach people through turn, how like turning obstacles into opportunity is actually how you win. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I learned that uh, in the beginning. I, I, you know, I played sports a lot and stuff, and so I, um, I have that mentality of not quitting when things get hard. But I never realized just how crazy true that was until the last five or six years. Like when there is an obstacle, it really is like almost like a crack in the matrix where you can see something, you know, a potential that you wouldn't have seen before, and. It also is almost like the beast's way of showing their hand of what they have on you. So one of the reasons I got so into farming way before it became obvious that there was a food problem and also that they can use leverage of wearing masks to go into grocery stores and everything that everyone witnessed in the last uh, two and a half years 
is because uh, I saw that no one was actually coming for me. Like, you're not actually going to get assassinated or arrested unless you're in their world. I really think there's a lot of spiritual um, jurisdictions at work where it's like, if you want the Rothschilds patent on an engine or something, you might be getting killed. Or like, if you want Hillary Clinton's job, you're in their world. And and then things get, because at first I didn't realize that. And I thought uh, I was pretty paranoid for a little while when I went at the beast, when it came to child's trans stuff, like the abuse that was just hiding in plain sight. And I was naming people on Twitter and just being like, this is crazy. And so getting kicked off Twitter, losing my agent manager, have being blackballed from Hollywood with people where I was in their wedding party. Um, that was terrifying a little bit, but I, I don't, I don't back. I'm not a back down kind of person. So I was like, okay, you know, listen, if there's barking dogs, like I was literally thinking that, that I was going to be attacked by these nefarious people and it never came and it still never came. And not only did it never come, nothing even close to that ever came. And then I realized their, their means of control is from, um, and by they, it's, I think it's a, you know, it's entities. I don't even think it's people, but it's like their means of control has to do with uh, goods and services and comforts and privileges. So it's like, if you want the privilege and there's, there's a fairness to it. That's and what it's makes, all stuff that makes you weaker by accepting the offer, because exactly. without the offer, you would do it yourself and be reliant on yourself or on people that you actually know and can trust. Exactly. It's like, okay, if you want our shitty burnt milk, you have to comply. And I'm like, no. And then I got into raw milk and my family's all like crushing. Everyone's like a thousand feet tall. You know? So it's like everything they hold over you is actually poison. And you saw that on a macro scale with Russia recently where they did sanctions. And this, I don't know if I would have even witnessed this 10 years ago, but now they're like, okay, Russia, you're fucked. We're going to take away McDonald's, pornography, and our debt-based economic system. And Russia's like, okay, you know, and it's, it's fat because that's what happened to me. So it isn't the truth or idea that if you speak the truth or you're based or crushing that there's going to be, you know, people who come from you is 100% not, not accurate. And because if that was true, I would be way dead because I had a large following out of Hollywood and I was talking shit about everything. And so, and I was looking crazy enough on live streams where they could have done a narrative that was believable. Like it was, there was a point where, I was a little vulnerable, but nothing happened. And the, But what did happen is they're like, okay, we're going to try and take away your reputation. We're going to try to take away your ability to make money in our system. We're going to try and take away your privileges, your conveniences, all that shit. And all that did is show me who actually cares about me, who I can actually count on. You know, it showed me that, that family's actually wealth and that all these apps are bullshit. And then it showed me that I only can control what I create. So I'm like, okay, I'm never going to be allowed on any of these platforms. I mean, I've been kicked off everything. It's so crazy. Like they will have OJ Simpson as a Twitter account. Now, you know, he's just gutting people, <laughs> stabbing, you know, gutting. And they don't, you know, they don't care. They don't actually have morality. It's that they're trying to bring me to heal. And the fact that 
the only guy more stubborn than the Jays is me. <laughs> you know, the ironic Jays, is they try to bring you to heal and it leads you to actually heal. Like, whoa, dude, yourself. I love that. There's heal and heal. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And it's true. And I never would have connected with my listeners because back in the day, I never thought about my listeners is I wasn't like a, a bad person or a dick. I was just kind of more detached. You know, the best way to describe it is detached. I'm like, oh, yeah, all the people come and they listen, and they leave. And then I drink and I party and I get on an airplane. And then when I was going through all this, people started reaching out like, yo, dude, because like every club was canceling me. I would pay for a theater, sell it out, sell my own tickets. And a week before the show, they'd cancel me for no, they'd just be like, we don't want you here. It was biblical, dude. It was like, right. It was like, no, nobody's allowed in the main, only the manger. And I literally performed in mangers. <laughs> That's what got me into Christianity. And, but you know, I'm not, many Christians don't consider me Christian because I, you know, the kingdom of God is within and the whole idea of ether and all this shit. They're, they're not into that. A lot of them are, are think I sound, uh, you know, new age. They should read ether, God and devil by Wilhelm Reich. That's all. I haven't read that, but that sounds great. I mean, Jesus had so much gravy. It's insane. And everybody just focuses on the shit that doesn't matter in my opinion. But so I, I started like thinking more about that. Like, okay, so I'm literally performing in a barn now because they won't allow me in, you know, the main hotel. <laughs> and so then I started thinking about how the Pharisee works and how you have the mob of scared people and how Rome, the bean, the bean counters of the government aren't actually persecuting anybody. They're just trying to appease a crazy, damaged, traumatized mob. And so the mob was very small. The mob these days is very small. Like the really angry, terrible, uh, destructive mob is, uh, you know, coastal quote unquote elites that they just are very loud. And anybody that has kids knows that the loud ones actually get heard the most. Like if you have a kid, you know, we'll have four kids in the back seat. And if one really, really hates a song, it's getting turned. Like if he's like, ah, you know, terrorism. And if like another kid's like, I like this song. We're like, sorry, man, but this is happening. And then, and so that's true with the whole world. Like if you have people that are just screaming and freaking out and traumatized, Rome listens to them, which is crazy. And they're just like, ah, you know. And so anyway, out of that experience came so much fruit. And it's almost like electricity, like the resistance of the ohms really pops the light. Like you have to have resistance to make light. And so then we started our own app. We started, I, I found out who my real friends were. I found all, you know, the, I never would have realized the shape of the realm or any of the stuff that I've learned if I wasn't um, in the wilderness, you know? And so having them kick me out into the wilderness is the best thing that ever happened to me. And like, and you know, like, cause the whole process was very painful. And I remember like uh, I was trying to prove that the earth was a spinning ball and I would just been called all kinds of names and everyone's freaking out on me and I'm kicked off of everything. And I'm like, the last thing I want is to be called crazy for another thing but there was no evidence around a spinning ball. And so that was a very interesting time in my life where I got into quote unquote flatter. I'm realm earth. I don't know what flat means. You know, I have all kinds of ideas about it, but yeah, you can say what it's not, but you can say what it's, it's not like trying yeah. to define the creator or the infinite. Exactly. exactly. We're trying, you can't describe the entirety of all existence in words. Exactly. Exactly. That's why flat earth is almost like a trap, but, but I get it. But anyway, so 
that time in my life was so intense because the last thing I wanted was another, you know, status of crazy. And I just had a baby. My wife was pregnant. And, you know, I, I realized we didn't go to the moon. <laughs> and I'm trying desperately to get everybody to show me the evidence that we're on a spinning ball because I was going to debate Eric DeBay. And I, I didn't like Eric. I still don't like Eric DeBay, but that's that's fine. I mean, I respect some things about him, but he was being so aggressive and gamma in the chat. And I'm like, I'm going to fucking burn this guy. You know, I'm going to make this guy look so stupid. And so I'm trying to find evidence to burn him, and there was none. And so I'm just begging people, like, please give me evidence that we're on a spinning ball, and there's absolutely zero, and it made no sense. And so I thought I was, like, finished at that point, but I don't cuck and I don't lie uh, ever for acceptance or money or anything. I just – it's not in my character. It's not even possible because if it was, that would be when I would have done it. (laughs) I'm like – Okay, so I guess the fucker's flat. And I'm like, I'm like depressed. But then I start realizing it's really beautiful. And then out of nowhere, all these people come. It's almost like the Truman Show. Like all these people that I couldn't see. Like for whatever reason, the technology didn't allow me to see all these people. Everyone's just calling me mentally ill and crazy. And, oh, you shouldn't, your CPS should take your kids. And it was just fucking hellish. And then everybody's like, dude, we... We love watching that journey. We all experienced that except we were alone. And just thousands of people are like, it was like the Truman show. Like when, uh, you know, Truman gets out of the, out of the firm and everyone's like, and that was one of the coolest experiences in my life. And that never, ever, ever would have happened if I was allowed to stay in the beast because I wouldn't have, you know, I just was in that lazy river. I never would have comfortable. Saw yeah. I was way, I was so comfortable. I used to get paid like 30 grand to talk for an hour and I'd be like, and I was so fucking like, I was watching videos of myself from back then. And I was so sad. Like I, cause sometimes in my head, I'm like, man, I miss those days. I was crushing so hard. And then I'll watch how I was talking in interviews. And I sound like such like a, like I'm ungrateful and I'm totally not present. Like I'm just, I was funny. Like, you know, I was similar to myself now, but I just would not trade anything for that. And that's the beauty of the internet too, is you can watch videos of yourself in vastly different times and be like, man, dude, like talk better. You know, I'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm just here having a good time and going to my hotel, going to see what's going on. And I'm like, I just want to slap myself in the face. Like fucking dude, try a little harder. And it was cause I was getting so, so, um, so the, you know, fake gravy was just being poured all over me. Well, also maybe you didn't have enough cum in your balls. Fat, oh, hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Dude, that's so true, man. Like I was just draining my balls anytime I could. And that's another thing about the West. <laughs> Everybody's like, why is, why is sperm count so low? It must be the chemtrails. I'm like, how many times have you jerked off to porn this week? They're like, well, I have to relax. I'm like, dude, you're literally like, draining your balls of cum all the time. You don't think that has anything to do with your inability to procreate? It's like, no, it's definitely plastics. I'm like, no, dude, you're literally just draining your your balls. You're throwing your jizz away. (laughs) You know? Yeah, I love uh, what Gardner said on your stream. Like, imagine each load is billions of dollars or an entire empire because it's like, 
that's a whole side tangent, but I wanted to circle back a little bit to when you're talking. It's true. It's a whole empire. But see, because of the way men act economically, a billion sperm is like $70 and one egg is like 20 grand because of supply and demand and about, you know, it's all economic. It's like, I used to do a bit about it. You know, the balls, they're always trying to get out. Like the sperm are like living in the ghetto. Like, get us the fuck out of here. And the, the egg is like one sits there in a cul-de-sac, you know, no neighbors, all judgy. And the balls are like the ball of cost. They're like screaming to get out. And that's why, you know, our load is worth 70 bucks and their egg is worth 20 grand. Because <laughs> we flooded the market with, with cum. We're like, who wants cum? We're like, Oprah, just fucking throwing cum everywhere, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's very accurate. Uh, <laughs> but okay, but like before I, I circle this back to a, something from not long ago, I just want to reiterate the, that point that, you know, for anyone out there that hasn't practiced before retaining their semen for longer periods of time or as long as they can, it is pretty hard to put into words the difference, but there there is a difference. Like, your vitality is just going to be different. Your drive, your, your masculinity will come back. That's it's your essence, dude. It's not just like we have this like mechanistic materialistic view of reality. Even people that are in some ways like spiritual or maybe in the new cage version of spirituality, the still buying into scientism, having this mechanistic explanation for everything and thus sort of demystifying it. But Yo, nobody has ever yet been able to explain with any kind of mechanistic accuracy, perfect, you know, figuring all the moving parts and exactly when this happens and how that a baby is formed, a fertilization. Yeah, you know, no, it's an absolute miracle. It's literally God in action. You can't you can't make it happen. You can do your part, but whether or not it actually happens and baby is coming, there's definitely something beyond about all that. Oh, be, oh, totally. And also, it's like you get to see the world how it really is. You know, if you watch pornography and you're always whacking, you don't you don't realize how sexualized and how insane the world is right now. If you stop watching porn for like three months, you'll look at it at, at like, uh, you know, billboards and you're like, what the fuck? That's why nobody cares about anything anymore. I think porn is like our opium war. Because they'll be like, oh, yeah, so your seven-year-old's learning about sodomy in kindergarten. I mean, first grade. I mean, they got to learn sometime. What are you, some kind of prude? And you're like, you know, you'll see just like a woman's tits selling a soft drink. And you're like, what the fuck is that? And no one sees it. They're just like, yeah, so, so what? I mean, I watched gangbangs all morning. And, it, it, yeah, science doesn't know shit. I mean, they don't even know how eels procreate. Do you know that no one knows where eels come from? It, no that one. blows my mind, but also it doesn't surprise me because like I look back at some of the things that were said from earlier times where they would have the assumption or belief that if you left out rotting meat, that the maggots and the flies would just come into existence around that thing. And I believe that there could be something to that, like that nature. I don't even think that extinction is what we think it is. I think that. As fear increases in the human collective consciousness and the bandwidth of possibilities that people can accept for their reality shrinks more and more, you're going to see nature also apparently shrink and change into a smaller and smaller category of what is safe and allowed. But like uh, my buddy Mitch, he does these Organite 
tower busters and he's changing the EMF landscape around Arizona and has for a while. And in my opinion, he's caused the largest monsoon season in Arizona that they've ever had <laughs> by breaking the frequency fence of the, the towers. But at the point where he had been doing that for a year and they had the biggest monsoon season ever and the frequency of the area had been changed by this because they're like uh, grounding the ether is a way of putting it. That's how Ben Balderson put it when they talked, but these uh these different animals started coming back into the region. Like they had to close down a mining operation because some big cats showed up. These weird triops creatures, like hard to describe. They're like these little monster <laughs> shrimp fish things that live in the desert. They just appeared out of nowhere. Like they, there were none. And then all of a sudden they're all over Arizona. And I oh. think there could be something to that. Like that if we that even what we consider the ecological crisis, if, if you can call it that, obviously it's hyped up by the, the Pepsis, but that that could even change as fast as our consciousness expands or our frequency bandwidth gets more and more in alignment with love, which is possibility. Oh, 100%, dude. It's like I was, I was doing a stream about that recently about environmentalist shows. They always try and tell you that every animals on the brink of extinction but none of them ever go extinct and the rainforest never actually goes away like when in 1989 when i was a little kid in elementary school they said that the rainforest was only going to be around for three more years uh, they just lie and i think they're trying to get our consciousness to do it because like where i live in north idaho i was talking to a guy recently he was like there was no bald eagles here for 20 years and now there's tons of them <laughs> He's like, they're all bad. Like the bald eagles all just, and now there's bald eagles everywhere. And he was like, yeah, there was none for the longest time. And now like there's a bald eagle probably on my property somewhere. And they're just, where did they come from? No one knows. <laughs> it's like, and then people could be like, oh, how dare you? No, there's breeding packages. They're not, it's not how it works. There's definitely frequencies. And I, I was talking to Gardner about the frequencies of weather and how, you know, every wedding, there's rain. If there's a lot of love in a wedding, you'll just have a sprinkle of rain every wedding. And that's crazy. And no one ever talks about that. Like every wedding I've ever been to outside where the people, there's a lot of love and a lot of family and stuff. There's always been rain. And, and then you have in the occult that water is one of the symbols for love specifically. Yeah. No, there's like a highly emotionally charged group of people. Rain will just start falling on them. It's fucking weird but it's true like there i i'm totally with you on on um on animals because nothing goes extinct they, they say the dodo bird and all this other shit but i'm not buying any of it anymore things just like will pop out of nowhere and you're like where did that come from i don't know i was just listening to uh this show i love mysterious universe the other day and they were doing this story about a guy in india who was a tiger hunter and big cat hunter and he's going after like this man eater they called it that had killed this tiger that had killed dozens and dozens of people it just developed an affinity for murdering human beings and wouldn't even always eat them but it would like kill the farmer's cow but leave the the cow and then go find the farmer and jack that guy and they didn't really talk about this in the episode but I was thinking about it like what is this concept of the man eater <laughs> because it seems like there's these animals that take on almost mythological qualities of ferocity, the more human beings that they kill and eat. And it makes me think of the whole back to the adrenochrome 
thread that there could be something to that, that taking the essence of human beings in, in a cannibalistic way, gives you some kind of like weird, dark, twisted power. But I don't want to say that I concede that as a belief. I don't know, but there's something up with that. The reason I bring it up is because the Indian government kept flip-flopping on whether or not they're going to allow this tiger to be killed. They actually captured it and put it into a nature preserve. And then the, their version of the Pepsi's, <laughs> their liberals or whatever, they like freaked out and got them to release the tiger back into the wild. And then it went on and killed a bunch more people. And when they finally, the guy who was a civilian hunter who was just like, no, and he took it out and he killed it and almost died in the process multiple times. It took multiple attempts to kill this tiger. It was such a badass. And, uh, you know, he just gets destroyed by the media. They're like marching in parades of like, punish the tiger killer, you know. Meanwhile, he just saved a bunch of people's grandma from getting mauled and shredded into tiny pieces by a tiger. Anyway, like, um, I think the, the way, the place I was going with this is back to this idea of nature, the nature frequency. It's just a silly idea to believe that we, as part of the creation, have any agency to like end the creation. Oh yeah. Zero. Which is something I wanted to maybe like riff on a little bit. I've never had a good opportunity to explain just how stupid it is to believe in nuclear bombs and like. Yeah. In the, the world red button thing. Yeah. And I know that you're into that. And maybe you could just give people some levity about that whole concept. Yeah, there's dude. no nuclear bombs, like zero. And it's a total psyop psychological operation. Yeah, it's almost like does does the Super Mario Brother character in your TV can it destroy your TV? It's like a, a wrong dimension. You know? Like can Super Mario just like punch through your TV? It's like, no, it's in the it's in it. But yeah, so I uh I was raised in Oswego, New York with uh, three nuclear power plants on Lake Ontario. And we always used to do those ridiculous uh, drills where we'd hide under our cardboard desks in case of an attack because they said the Russians, we were a top target because we had all this nuclear power right on in fresh water. And so much later in life, I always thought that was, that was really weird. I just was always like, how could we be saved under a desk? Like that doesn't, and everyone's like, oh, shut the fuck up, you know. And so then later I looked more into it and I knew people that worked at the power plants. And I realized that there isn't anything toxic there because they could swim in the water in the plant. I mean, I used to do bits about that's why I'm six foot eight. I'm like, I'm from this town. We used to swim. Oh, speaking of the creation. I mean, check that out. A, you see that deer way over there? It just popped up out of nowhere. It's like a deer. <laughs> I can't quite see it, but yeah, around here, you always got to watch out. So anyway, um, I live in uh, Springfield, Missouri, and we have awesome. a nuclear power plant on a Lake Springfield, like the Simpsons. That's great. Yeah, it's not a threat at all. So then I got into Galen Windsor because I knew I used to do a bit that, you know, I used to swim in the warm water near the plant. That's why I'm six foot eight. My parents are both little Japanese people. Like I used to do bits about that, but it, I always knew it was stupid because we did. We The water just, the water boils because of rods like radioactive rods and all radiation is, is heat. That's all it is. It's not anything else. It's just heat. And so they're just really hot rods that boil water. They spin turbines, they release the water. And the only, yeah, it's fancy steam power. It's steam power. It's hundred. It's all it is is steam power. And right next, we'd have a coal burning plant that, and there'd be black smoke everywhere. And then right next to it would be a nuke plant. And it would just be like fluffy clouds coming out and people 
in the inversion, they'd say, oh, that nuke, nuclear plant's really dangerous. I'm like, it's, it's not. The black smoke will get all over your house. And it was, I'm from a real industrial area. And so the black smoke is like fucking terrible. They used to do it at night just because people wouldn't want to see all the black, but you get it all over your house. And, and the nuke plant was nothing. It was like, fine. And so the only, uh, and so then I started listening to Galen Windsor because he was putting a lot of pieces together for me. He was, um, one of the, the heads of General Electric and he was in the Manhattan Project and he's a truther and he was showing people uranium isn't toxic. He would show you that he could drink uranium powder and no dose caffeine is more toxic per gram than uranium. And he was showing how it works. Like the Geiger counter was going off in his belly. He's just showing it. He lived to be like 85, like no cancer. And what it is, they used to make have uh, cups with radon in it that would keep your liquid warm. And I know there's probably listeners right now. It's like, oh, this is so irresponsible. Oh, you're going to get people cancer. I swear to God, it's it's not. Like it's totally legit. My friend, and then I'll get into the bombs in a second, but my friend. Let me just interject. It makes me wonder if the whole thing that they're like, oh, cell phones are totally safe. But then on the side, they're like, EMF is killing you. Makes me wonder if the radiation coming off of these things is just heat. You know, yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I know I feel a lot worse drinking alcohol than I do sleeping next to a phone. I mean, don't get me wrong. There is um, there is frequencies that can, like, cook your body. Like, I, mm-hmm. I have theories about how they could fake a nuclear attack using 5G towers. But... Um, but the but it, but what they're doing with nuclear radiation is actually just heat. Anyway, uh, it's all about frequency. It's about how like how uh, short the the waves are. But right, think of like a, a for somebody who sings opera shattering a glass with their voice. Yeah. If the wavelength of the frequency matches the relative size of the thing that's being vibrated. It could shake it apart, and that could apply to you on the cellular level. That makes sense to me. Exactly. There is frequencies of energy that can damage uh, cells and all that. I'm told, you know, like x-rays, I think when you're exposed to too much of that, that can be really harmful, but that's not what nuclear power is. So um, Galen Windsor was talking about how, uh, you know, Three Mile Island was a total setup. Like they just turned off the reactors and had it melt down one year to the day that they released the China syndrome to put it in people's heads that that's... The whole thing is about energy cartels. So I, I have a, one of my good friends, a trucker, and he was at a stop and they went in and they checked his stuff and the Geiger counters went crazy. It was just, and they freaked out and they all checked it out as porcelain because porcelain uh, reacts the same way as uranium. And so they're like, oh no, you're good to go. And he's like, but don't I need like a scrub and like a fucking shot of something? And they're like, no. And he's like, but the Geiger counters just went crazy. And they're like, oh, no, but it was porcelain. It wasn't uranium. My theory is that they are regulating uranium because uranium is how you make helium. You can make free energy. Uh, it's not actually poisonous at all. You know. So anyway, if you look into Hiroshima and Nagasaki, so the narrative is that these bombs were dropped and they were so destructive that Japan, uh, that Japan, Quit the war after seeing the horror and everyone died and there was radiation everywhere. Total bullshit. Nagasaki and Hiroshima weren't even in the top 10 most destroyed Japanese uh, cities. Not even top 10. So if you just go step by step of what all the claims are. Claim number one, it was a unique destruction. False. 
Okay, claim number two. Uh, the, the population witnessed something horrific. False. The population, uh, reported as a firebomb. There was only one reporter in America. This is all public record. There's only one uh, reporter in America allowed to report on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. He was a Lithuanian Jew who worked for the War Department, now the Defense Department. He was the only one. Anyone else who reported on it was executed. So you have the information pipeline, total bullshit. Number three, these bombs would release radiation that would poison the lakes and the rivers and the soil forever. No flora or fauna left ever. Like people, there was a lot of people that never left Hiroshima or Nagasaki. And so then he asked, why did they surrender? They did not surrender because of those bombs. They surrendered because 1.5 million Russians invaded Manchuria. That's what happened. So the whole narrative is bullshit. And then you say, and then you ask yourself, well, why do I think nuclear bombs are real? It's only from movies. If you look at the tests done in Nevada, there's no radiation there. 60 miles outside of Vegas, they claimed to explode all these nuclear bombs and everyone could see the mushroom cloud and they had on these goggles. Uh, bullshit. Galen Windsor was, uh, worked in the Manhattan Project and he said that I was all TNT, that they would unload box after box of TNT. TNT makes a mushroom cloud. There's no residual radiation. Uh, and then the other one conveniently is the Bikini Atoll. And then you look at where no one's allowed to ever go. That's very convenient. Then you look at the, um, the occultist kind of wording of it. And you have, it's the Trinity site. So they're trying to create this religious thing. And then the Manhattan project run yeah, by. They have, uh, they have Oppenheimer come out and read from the Bhagavad Gita. I am become death. The story yeah, of the world is so dramatic. Yeah. And, and he it, cries. It's not, he's like some laughed, some cried. And he goes like this, like as an actor, he's fake acting. It's bullshit. And so they never made a nuclear bomb. And so I used to do a physics podcast at Caltech. And I, I uh, asked one of my friends as a PhD in nuclear physics from Caltech. I said, uh, are nuclear bombs real? And this is his exact response. You know, one of these 170 IQ kind of autistic guys. He goes, um, he goes, he goes, just act like they're real. And I'm like, what? He's like, act like they're real. And they're real. He's like, it's great game theory. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, no, he goes, he goes, two men <laughs> sitting at a table. One says he has a knife under the table. The other says he has a knife under the table. They don't fight. And I'm like, oh my God. So this is kind of known that this is just game theory. He's like, oh yeah. And it's led to 80 years of peace. He's like, yeah, they're real, but they're not real. I mean, there's no physics behind it. And I'm like, what the fuck? He's like, oh yeah, not, none of the physics make any sense. You know, it's, oh, they may they may rip a hole in existence if the chain reacts. He's like, dude, it's TNT. And, yeah, so- and it gives the uh, aggressors in terms of nation versus nation conflict, sort of an excuse, like to go in and take somebody, jack their resources, like, Oh, they're developing nuclear weapons. we got to take them out. Exactly. Exactly. And so in their defense there, the claim is that um, it led to 80 years of peace, that if everybody thinks that there's a button that you can press, it's kind of like when a parent threatens to turn the car around. The kids will just, even if there's only a 1% chance that three hours into a drive, you're going to turn the car around. We all know it's 0%. You're not going, driving home. But just the threat that you could turn the car around is enough to calm down uh, the, the other nations. So when they say somebody is, uh, you know, they, now, they have a nuclear bomb, they're just in this club of blackmail, in my opinion. 
Yeah, the same with the space programs. Totally. And there's, guys, there's zero evidence. Not only is there no evidence that, the, that there's a nuclear bomb, all the evidence says there isn't. The, the government, the military never spends money on, on any weapon they don't use. They've never used it. Hiroshima and Nagasaki had no radiation. They were not unique in its, their destruction. The reporting on the ground was fire bombing. It was just not real. And so um, you can see that the Cold War was just another scam. And, and now that people are seeing what COVID was and 9-11 and all this stuff, even just normal people without conspiratorial minds are like, oh, yeah, they could do that. They, but whereas 10 years ago, they never would have imagined that all of that nuclear bomb talk was total bullshit. And they're like, yeah, but what about the mushroom cloud? It's like, that's exactly what a TNT explosion looks like. And then you look at uh, the reels that they had, and it's claymation. Like when they show you the video of, of these uh, tests, it's claymation. You can blatantly see that it's really old, really bad CGI. And a lot of people aren't willing to let go of that cortisol. It's kind of like we're, we're talking about before about adrenaline, like the idea, because all the evidence says there's no nuclear bombs. But the idea that, like, at any point, someone could press a button and kill all life, um, you know, that's... It almost, like, gives you an excuse for your nihilism. Exactly, dude. Exactly. It's like, oh, the whole world's going to be destroyed anyway. The world's never going to be destroyed. It's not even possible. I think the closest they ever actually came to destroying the world was probably if they tried to destroy the firmament. And then they realized they couldn't and just got really sad. <laughs> you know? You know, like Operation High Jump and all that shit. Where I, I don't know how much of that is real because I can't discern it because so much of it is based on what other people are telling me. But it appears they were attempting to blow up the firmament. And I don't know what happened, but it obviously didn't work. I mean, we're still here. Yeah, I find that fascinating, too. But the, the last point to just nail the coffin with nukes is just for anybody really curious and, and wanting to expedite their assessment of the evidence or lack thereof just go find like a, a heat map video of all the places where so-called nukes were tested or blown up according to the official narrative throughout time and you'll see that like 500 in less than 100 years by their own hollywood bullshit the world would already be unlivable based just yeah. on what they claim they've blown up in the world exactly yeah, they've exploded. Yeah, I think the official number is 499. And it's like, they've, so they claim that they exploded all these and that there's no, there's no problem at all. None. And so, yeah, their narrative is so stupid. And then it got to a point where it was almost like little kids telling stories to each other, where they're like, oh, this new bomb is 20,000 times worse than Nagasaki. It's like, oh, really? This one's 40,000 times and it vaporates everything. And you can't drink water from a lake for two billion years. Everyone's like, holy fuck. They're just addicts. They're just addicts telling stories. There's no evidence to any of this shit. None. Yeah, it's like that Gobel's guy from the Nazis who's like, tell the lie really big and then people will actually believe it. That's yeah, how yeah. it is with all this stuff. Yeah, totally. Which is why I don't even think he said it because I think the world's so ironic and weird that someone lied about Goebbels saying that, I guarantee it. It's like, one of those, <laughs> it's like one of those meta jokes. You know, they're like, tell everyone a million times that Goebbels said this, and so that way they don't know that it was really a guy named Gary. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you make a lie really big. People are drawn to it. 
you know, and then people don't want to admit they were fooled. I've never had a problem with that. Like I've never had a problem admitting I was fooled. A lot of people do. A lot of people, they're like terrified to admit they were fooled or wrong. And I'm like, I, whenever I figure out I'm wrong or fooled, I can't wait to admit it and then move on and fix it. Like I'm the exact opposite. Doubling down on that, on, on realizing you were wrong is really self-destructive behavior. Everybody yeah, even that whole like, it's almost like that. Eight, this isn't a Asian hate statement, people, but in Asian countries, there's this idea of saving face. Yeah, you must save face, but there's nothing masculine or heroic about the notion of saving face. You know Zero. what I mean? Zero. Like that's like, super that's powerful really position common. to be in to say that you're to realize you're wrong and admit it and then grow. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's uh in the satanic inverted world, they actually are the opposite. They never ever admit they're wrong. You could be caught with a guy with blood coming out of their head holding a gun, and you're like, I didn't do that. And just the denial over and over and over actually has a psychological effect on people because it just puts enough doubt in people where their minds break. It's like fascinating to watch where if you just keep saying over and over, like there was a bit, you know, global cooling to global warming to global cool, like they keep changing it and they'll never admit they're doing that. Like if you watch um, algorithms, wasn't it Al Gore? Al Gore's documentary, the whole Manhattan would be underwater by 2012. Like he's completely wrong about all his predictions, all his models. But the fact they won't admit it, it just makes people crazy. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't make the liar fail oddly. It makes them continuously, I don't know. They just never admit fault. Even if all the evidence is right in front of them, they'll just say, it wasn't me. I didn't do that. You're a liar. It's just gaslight. And that doesn't work on someone like me, but it works on a lot of people. Like a lot of people are like, but why would they lie? And I'm like, dude, they're holding a dildo in their hand. They're wearing rollerblades. And they're like, no, I'm heterosexual. I'm like, they're rollerblading with a dildo right now. And people just won't see it. Uh, this, I think I have a way to tangent this into another topic that I feel is worth getting your thoughts on uh speaking of rollerblading with a dildo in your hand the okay so like my mom and dad they're actually just as an example they have nothing to do with dildos or rollerblades but they they are at a point where i can say something to them like you know nukes are not real like that's just a fear tactic and because of everything that happened with cooties they they're starting to see that they're they're open to it they don't just shut me down right away which is awesome and I wish I could say the same for everybody that I know, but, um, you know, especially like with my dad, I know that he's started to trickle into some of the swamp thing, orange man, Q Kool-Aid. <laughs> and I, I don't think he's to the point where he's like sharing Hunter Biden's laptop contents on Facebook yet, but that's good. I heard you talking about that and it made perfect sense. And I wanted you to share kind of your thoughts about that whole thing as a psyop and, uh, not that we shouldn't shine light on what is actually happening with human trafficking and happening to children, but to be aware of part of the strategy of causing us to participate in the debauchery. Like I've always made the joke, you know, the people in charge of supposedly policing things like child pornography have the largest stockpile themselves of child pornography, the FBI or, or whoever is in charge yeah. of that. So let's talk about that. Yeah, I, I've, and again, I've fallen for all this too. So I'm not judging because I've been the guy who's done this, but 
it's like you have to stop and ask yourself, are you, what's the purpose of this? Like, uh, and are you now participating in it on some level? Like, because the, the way to override and to really get filth into a new demographic is to make them feel like heroes. You know, like the social justice warrior can be applied to a lot of right wing people as well, where when, when you feel like, oh, but this is for social justice is why I'm showing this picture of Hunter Biden jerking off and smoking crack. And you're like, everyone has to know. And you're like, yeah, but you still just shared a picture of someone jerking off smoking crack. I was guilty of that years ago when there was these trans child uh, book readings at like libraries. There'd be some like some trans person in like horns reading to like a little kid. And I'm like, look at this shit. And everyone's like, oh, look. yeah, they'll they'll be like dressed as a colorful monkey with an actual wearing an actual strap on. Yeah, and it's just so kids. over the top. And I was like, people have to know that this is happening. People have to fight against it. And I realized it never did any good ever. Like me showing that never led to anything good. What leads to something good is Bertaria. Like it, like the like the social aspect of our group, our our media that's completely clean. Like on Bertaria Times, you can't even talk about politics. You can't talk about vaccines or any any of that shit. And it's not because I don't agree with um, bringing light to certain things, but that isn't the place. You have to eventually get to a point where you're like, what do I want the world to be? It's like that consciousness we we're just talking about with like more animals springing from the earth. You, there comes a point where you're like, it's not about waking people up to how horrifying the world is. It's about trying to build a world that you actually want to see. Because if not, if you just look at it from almost like a, a fly on the wall, like just pure autism of just like what factually is happening, you're sharing like porn, you know? And I saw that also with Ben Shapiro's wife thing with, um, with how it was like, you know, Ben Shapiro's wife's pussy and all that, like how his wife said she had a dry pussy. Remember that? And it's one thing if I talk I, about I missed that. <laughs> like ben Shapiro was talking about uh, Cardi B and, uh, and uh, and he was like, my wife has a medical condition to have a wet pussy or something. And so the joke was that he owned himself and that his wife has a wet pussy. And and again, I don't mind talking about that here. This isn't a you know this is this is a stream for adults. I'm literally a, a club comedian. But to see to see normal people like normal dad conservative dads talking about Ben Shapiro's wife's pussy being not wet, I'm like. They just got your behavior to change a lot, you know? And so yeah, I see Overton that. window shit. Yeah, yeah. And I see that a lot. Like, I, I just saw that with Elon Musk's dad. So, um, and I can always tell it's a psyop when hundreds of people DM me the same thing. And I know they think it's important to share, but I'm like, why is this going so mad? Why is it a broadcast of spell right now? And uh, it was that Elon Musk's stepdad just got his stepdaughter pregnant for the second time. And everybody's sharing it like, oh, this fucking sick bastard. And I'm like, over it went, you're normalizing it. And a lot of people don't realize that a lot of people are turned on by that. You know, if you look at what porn people are watching, a lot of it has to do with like family shit, like step. Don't, don't look at it, but maybe like look into the statistics of what they search for. <laughs> don't don't look at it yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. But they were, it's just about normalizing. They're like, look at the face of the girl, like, especially when you show the victim, like the face. It's like 
here's Elon Musk's dad and here's his stepdaughter and they're, and she's pregnant. And you're looking at the girl. It was the same with that cutie shit on Netflix. I would never show those images because it was like 13 year old girls or 12 year old girls twerking. And Ben Shapiro would show the whole video and be like, Oh my God, this is really disgusting. I mean, look at it. Look at this girl. I mean, you can see her clit. I'm just like, you're showing child porn. And so many people, um, truthers and right wingers, they don't, they don't take a step back and say like, what behavior am I currently involved in? Like, and I really do believe that there are uh, lists. I know in the Akashic record, but also just in life, like with uh, intelligence agencies where it's like, if you share that shit, you're now in a different world. Like I was encouraging people not to celebrate the destruction of the Georgia Guidestones and encourage that behavior because it was private property. And that these people are tricky as fuck. So it's like, if you're like, yeah, we got to blow up more of this shit. You just engaged in domestic terrorism and you don't even realize it because it's private property. And so I think that there is that mechanism going on where um, you can engage in some really seedy shit, but you don't see it because you think you're doing good. You're like, oh, these fucking eugenicists, you know, it's good. That they, I, don't get me wrong. I was pumped to see it blow up. I thought that was great. But yeah, I was at first wondering, like, is this a lightning bolt from the divine? Yeah. That's pretty sweet. No, don't get me wrong. I was counting it as a win. I'm like, this is great. But to then say, we got to do more of this, it does change, like, your intention. Because private property rights are very important, especially during these times. And if if we break that, the beast will, like, eat us alive with it. Like, they, they want to break private property so bad. And so if we start breaking private property rights, it opens them up so quickly to uh, to do that. And so on a strategic level, it's always really important to think, what am I, am I sharing porn? Like, am I sharing, like I did that with uh, recently with Jordan Peterson and one of my listeners thankfully called it out and I deleted it is, uh, you know, Jordan Peterson sharing, you know, what models he thinks are hot or fat and all this shit. He's such a scumbag. And so I posted it and had this like, you know, take on it. And one of my listeners is like, I don't want to unfollow you, but how do I mute this? This is porn. And I was like, oh, fuck, I just did it. So I just deleted it because it was it was like a girl in a bikini and like dressed all, you know, like like all modeled out. And Peterson was like, oh, this should be woman of the year. And I'm like pointing out how much of a fucking pervert the guy is because he also likes his daughter's bikini pics and shit, which is really creepy. And I thought I was like owning Peterson and really I was sharing porn. And I just, my mind was like, it, it, it was hijacked to, uh, to not see that. And, and that's something that we should all really think about. Definitely, man. Yeah. I'm glad that we could get into that. It's, uh, it's an old trick. And once you it recognize is. any of their tricks, you see that, Oh, they've just been doing the same playbook forever. You know, it's uh, the same, the Hunter Biden laptop materials are the same as the John McAfee dead man switch. What if that is even really where that came from? Yeah. Another trick that Biden did there that a lot of people fell for, and I saw right away was I think that they were at first trying to cover uh, Biden's son's crack addiction. So it's, there was this major headline that everyone shared. It was like Joe, Bi- Joe Biden gives away free crack pipes in New York city. And I was like, and everyone's like, can you believe our president Joe Biden gives away free? I'm like, Oh, he's dominating search algorithms. 
because he wanted Biden crack pipe to be dominated by this news story and not his son. And I was like, that's those tricky bastards, because, you know, a lot of people were typing in Hunter Biden crack pipe and all it would be was five pages of Joe Biden gives away free crack pipes to New York City. And I don't think he ever gave away free crack. I think it was all an information war when it came to uh, dominating search results. I think they do that all the time, because especially if you start looking into some of these old mythologies and occult knowledge and you Google it, every single word is a corporation that dominates it. Like it's so hard. Or not just that, but in all the fiction that they're throwing out through video games, through Disney, whatever. You look up like the name of some occult concept or yeah, phrase, exactly. and what you get is like some video game search results. Exactly. Yeah, they dominate all of it because I'll like learn about a, a mythological character or something, and I'll look it up, and every single one of them is or a demon, like a name of a demon or something. And I'm like, what, what's going on with this? And it's all like, yeah, it's all a video game in Korea or something. It's just they just dominate, and, and there's it's like ten page later, you can't find. Uh, what you're looking for. And I know that's on purpose. I think so to a degree, but also it's almost like this nature of humans that are creating in the corporate space to like, you know, they're just looking up. I, I think as someone who's been in, I was a creative writing major in college. So I think that that's something that writers just do is sort of almost not, not always in a lazy way. Some of them actually look for something that has a symbolic match to what they're trying to put through, but also definitely yeah. as a lazy way, they'll just rep that. names that already exist. That's a good point. I don't think about that. But also Ooh. in the, the Disney storylines. Yeah. They'll be like, Oh, here's a myth. Let's just throw some trans in there. Some rollerblades call it a day. <laughs> uh, speaking of the, you know, speaking of the normalization of horrifying shit, it's also done through entertainment culture. I want, man, I was reflecting because I was a huge Star Wars fan when I was a kid. And the original movies are somewhat relative to today. You know, Overton Window being what it is. It's a pretty tame. They're yeah. still just like murdering stormtroopers who are real people left and right. You know, all that is it's extremely hyper violent, but it's fantasized enough with the blasters and lightsabers that somehow it's like, okay, that the hero is a, ma- a mass murderer. <laughs> 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 but anyway, that, that aside... The uh, the newer cycles of Star Wars, like when I was a kid, they did the new trilogy. And because I was a kid, it all just went, the the morality of it just kind of went right over my head. But they start you out with the Anakin Skywalker as a kid. So you as the little kid, me as an eight or nine year old, identify with the kid who's going to become Darth Vader. Right. And you go through the whole arc with him and there's this entire crazy side plot of clone, an army of clones versus an army of robots, which isn't that like the wet dream of the powers that were, but the, uh, the end of the new trilogy ends with you're the one you idolized as a kid. You're the kid. He's the hero. Who's the kid. Then he grows up and he, he literally on the camera, on the show, he's murdering all the Jedi youngling children. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, he literally kill, slaughters all the kids. Like, that's part of the story. And that's just, oh, that's just Star Wars. You know, everybody loves Star Wars. Nobody even thinks twice about that shit. But <laughs> the reason I brought it up and what made me think of it was that my friend sent me this clip, I guess, from a Disney Plus Star Wars show, right? And in this clip, there's a, an evil black Sith 
lady lesbian who is looking for. Let me just show you the clip. I think I can get away I think with I this. I know clip. exactly what you're talking. You think it's you? <laughs> well, it's even crazier. Guess what my great grandpa's name is? I don't know. Ben Kenobi. What the fuck? Because well, ben, yeah, yeah, that show is about Ben Kenobi. Yeah, his, his, his name wasn't even Benjamin. It was Ben Kenobi. K-N-O-B-E. It's a German name. My great-grandpa's name is literally Ben Kenobi, and then the, I'm looking for a farmer. Yeah, the synchronicities are fucking weird and trippy. It happens to me all the time. Yeah, I'm st- I'm I'm at a little a little bit of a loss for words about yeah, that. That's ben crazy. Kenobi is my great-grandfather's like name. And I I, mean, I remember uh my mom used to say Kenobi. And then I was like looking at how it was spelled, and I was like thinking about Star Wars, and I'm like is it possibly Ben Kenobi? And she was like, well, some could say Kenobi or Kenobi, you know. And I'm like, what the, how come that isn't more of like a thing in our family? <laughs> like that's, I've never met anyone with the last name Kenobi in my life, especially not named Ben. And it is my, is my great grandfather. My name's Owen and I'm a farmer. What the fuck? And I was like, oh, how dare you? It's just coincidence. I'm like, okay, dude. Yeah, everything's just a coincidence. Yeah, that's mind blowing. I'm glad I brought up that clip just to get the data that you yeah. <laughs> have an actual Ben Kenobi in your family. My point was just, just too about family, that. like my great grandfather, like like right up the line. It wasn't some like long lost. Like I'm related to uh, William Clark from Lewis and Clark, but it's like way back, and no one really can piece it perfectly. My great grandfather, like my grandfather's or my grandmother's father, was named Ben Kenobi, and. And it's like, and people like, you know, like with my comedy shit, people are like, oh, that's so Jedi. And I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> really weird, dude. Okay, so <laughs> this farmer she's looking for, Ben, he's ra- like, what makes him so bad is he's raising a child isolated from the rest of the empire who will grow up to like, you know, overthrow the empire or whatever. And I think that's like a good tangent to talk about, to me, one of the most dark psyops that has ever been done on human beings is the way that people particularly women are targeted with this of like i don't want children that's not for me that's not my lifestyle that's uh you know i i don't want that responsibility it would (laughs) i have i have an ex who would say that it would ruin her life if she had a kid you know and what is i think very inspirational that people see with you is that you're showing how absolutely opposite the truth is, how empowering it is. If you're not part of the B system anyway, I can see how it would be a lot of friction in your life to have a kid that you never see and you're letting it be raised by other people and, yeah. and all that. But maybe we could riff on, on why that's not true. Why it's not no, the it's, end of it's life. It's not only not true. It's the exact opposite. It's like, that's why I end some of my streams with uh, family is wealth. Money is debt. Because I used to do a bit about, is this on YouTube? I'll just censor a certain word, even though the word is very necessary, but I'll spell, I'll like kind of imply it. Sure. All right. Yeah, it will be on YouTube. Okay. So it rhymes with maggot. That's a word, okay? 
So the joke was why a certain group of people are called Matt, because it means a bundle of sticks, like the, the word that rhymes with it. It's a, that's a no, no, no on certain platforms. And so I went through the whole process of how in an agrarian society, uh, uh, someone who's rollerblading with their best buddies and, and uh, you know, they're actually a burden, a, a, a maggot, you know, you get where I'm getting going with that, was considered a burdensome person. Like uh, it wasn't just a certain sexual demographic, a certain rollerblading demographic. It was also um, postmenopausal women without children were called F, et cetera. So were uh, drunks. It's really funny. But then the whole, ju- so because you, they didn't have farm equipment. So if, if you had 12 kids and those kids weren't having more kids and one of them just wants to tap dance with his best buddy, Brian, that was a burden on your family. And I'm like, the whole thing is reversed. Now the urban debt-based life, you have the double income, no kids of the G's, you know, the G's. And uh, a baby is now the F maggot word. Because it's like, I have to spend $200,000 on this kid's education. And he's not. And so I used to do that bit, and I didn't realize how true it was. We're in the upside down, a baby is considered the burden, and the flaming, you know, degenerated rollerblader is considered that which has value because they invented an app and they collect art or something that's completely not like valuable. They have a lot of NFTs. Exactly. Yeah. It's just totally stupid. They'll, they'll spend $800 on a, a jar of lubricant. And so there's so much money to be made on that. It's just it, like the living the way I live now, it's so foreign that I don't even feel shame joking about it. Because at first, you know, people look at you like, oh my God. And I'm like, dude, you're so wrong and you don't even know it. It's almost like two cars are driving down the street and they're driving towards a bridge that's broken. And I'm like, watch out. They're like honking at me, like, fuck you, you know, stop honking at me. I'm like, bridge is broken. And they're like, fuck you, you know? And that's what I feel right now. Like these people are so wrong and they're so arrogantly calling me names and excluding me. And I'm like, dude, there's a bridge out right there. And so now people are kind of seeing it that having a family is unbelievable. Like the, the, the child is so close to God, like they just, that, you know, it's almost like a born again experience where you get to be a child again through their eyes. And to see my wife, like my wife, um, barefoot and pregnant, you know, four kids under seven, but she got her master's at USC in engineering. You know, anybody that wants to demonize my wife, if they look into her, it's like, they just immediately shut up and go away because she was on track to be one of these Babylonian you know, quote unquote, success stories of, you know, engineering, uh, modern, you know, all that stuff. And very sad. You know, there's a depression there. Like she'd have to drive two hours in traffic every day to sit at a cubicle. And, and she realized she wanted a family. And society was just completely, no one else did. And then we just broke away because I was in the same boat. I was, uh, very successful in the beast way. Like I was, uh, I, I was friends with movie stars and, you know, had no kids, but had a lot of sex and everything that everybody. Yeah, I'll get YouTube comments about this, about how, Oh, another guest from Hollywood. 
Oh, really? Why do they, why do they think we're all shills or something? I don't know. I maybe I shouldn't project that, but I got I got one for my last upload with Dylan because he came from Hollywood too. Not in the same level of success as you, but you know, people with eyes to see, they get to a certain point in that world and they're just like, I have to go somewhere else. Yeah. And a lot of people want to project that Hollywood is so much worse than the rest of the world. I'm like, look at your, you know, not you, but the people that write that in the comment section, like, Oh, Hollywood. I'm like, where do you degree in that industry? The people that actually make it have to be like, if anyone has ever out there tried to put their creative endeavors or whatever, tried to make something quote unquote of themselves to get to a certain level, like if, just to get to the point where I have an audience with this podcast, it took me years and years of work and constant dedication and trying and keep going, even when it's like banging my head against the wall a little bit. And I'm sure you get what I mean by that, that they want to throw sh- people that have never made anything want to throw shade at somebody just because they don't like where they did their work. Yeah, they're such losers. Like the people that are like, Oh, Hollywood. It's like, do you watch movies? They're like, yeah, of course. I just saw the new transformers. I'm like, so you consume what we make. You don't even make money on it. You pay us. And they're like, oh, how dare you? You, sir. And I'm just like, okay, so let me get this straight. Unless someone's never watching movies or never consuming any entertainment. Okay, so I get paid to make the shit that they watch, but somehow that makes me the bad guy. Uh, No, you know, it's so uh, completely reversed. And Hollywood is immoral, but so is the whole world. It's like, so all these people are putting their kids on buses to go be lied to by, you know, former sex offenders, six hours a day in a little room. They give their kids pills of Adderall so they don't ask too many questions. And then they like relax with, you know, drinking some booze and watching some porno and then firing up the YouTube to comment about how I'm the shill. I'm like, go fuck yourself, dude. So that's my little, uh, you know, response to that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I got you sidetracked by interjecting with that, but no, it was a great, it was a great thing to sidetrack about because hopefully the people that were about to do that are laughing. That's always my goal. I'm never trying to start beef. It's just, I assume that when I catch someone being a bit of a, uh, you know, a trickster that you should laugh. You should be like, Oh yeah, good point, man. I mean, who the hell am I to point fingers at someone who just works hard? And, uh, but the people that don't, I'm, I'm very suspicious of them. They're either bots or like just totally insane when they're like, Oh, how dare you? Hollywood. I'm like, dude, it's not as far off from your lifestyle as most people think. Like I never witnessed anyone eat a baby or anything. There's more pedophilia in the average public school than there is. in. the problem with Hollywood is how many people don't speak up about the big guys that are clearly doing horrible things. That's, that if I was going to condemn Hollywood, that's what it is. Because the average Hollywood actor, actress, writer, director, producer, like the average level, they're engaged in immoral, behavior, immoral behavior, but it's more typical of average urban immoral behavior. But there are those big guys that are clearly at this point, I didn't know about it at the time, but clearly up to some really dark shit. And to not only turn a blind eye, but condemn anyone who points it out. That's evil. And so that's actually the evil of Hollywood is the uh, the acceptance of it for what I call lollipops and fancy pants. So if you so if anybody wants to condemn Hollywood for that, but if you if someone condemns me as Hollywood, then you're giving people no way out because I actually did what the truthers would have wanted. I uh, 
I saw evil. I called it out. It cost me millions of dollars. I'm now in Idaho farming, you know? And so if you're going to say, if someone's going to say shill Hollywood, then what do you expect people to do? I do. So, so even if the people see evil and call it out and do something good about it, you're still just going to demean them, you know? So what do you actually want? And then the answer is they just want chaos because they're probably addicted to their own disgusting adrenaline surpluses in their veins. And they're probably gay. <laughs> uh, the, I've never really thought about that adrenaline addiction. I've thought about how fear is addictive, but you're right. There's uh, something biochemical about that. People are sort of hooked on, but it's my hope that with this, all this talk that it's not to condemn anybody that is in any way behaving in something that supports the stuff that we're uh, bringing light to. It's just that, you know, maybe someone out there has not heard this before. Maybe someone hasn't really oh. thought twice about whether pornography is a moral or not, but B is it making you weaker or not? And I think that's the best back to the original sin thing. It's way better to just look at sin as something that makes you weaker. And also exactly. to, to demystify what they gave us with this idea of karma. that I don't really think karma works the way that the priests no. of old have told us either. It's more no. like when you do sin, in this definition of something that makes you weaker, you get the immediate feedback of the wrath of God because it harms you. You actually take damage from it. So there doesn't need to be some follow-up punishment and some following life. I think all of that is just a way to keep slaves and lion more uh, on a tighter leash to make them think that, oh, if you transgress, then not only are we going to beat your ass right now, you're going to have a, you're going to reincarnate as a goat or something. Because that's, that's the original fun. sin idea comes from Brahmanism. And for them, it was like, it was way worse than what the, we get with the Christianity uh, dogma. Instead of the lake of fire belief, you would be told that you were going to reincarnate as like a fly for a, a billion years and just keep coming back as a fly. It's the same thing, the original sin. Yeah. And I never even think about that shit because we can't know anyway. Like I, I was telling that to this really self-righteous, I call them churchians where they're just so into the dogma of the man in black, you know, and I don't relate to them at all. I never would have been Christian if it had to do with anything about churches. <laughs> you know, that's, that makes sense. But anyway, this dude was like, um, oh, Jesus is God. Jesus, because I, I was like, well, who did Jesus pray to? You know, I'm, I'm just a curious person. I don't have, I'm not a dogmatic person. So I'm like, well, who did Jesus pray to? That doesn't make any sense if he's his own creator. And so this one guy's just screaming at me. I'm like, hey, listen, man, if I die and I go up and and Jesus is like, hey, man, I, I was God. You got it wrong. And I'm like, oh, no way. I'm like, that's what do you think's going to happen? Like, I don't no one knows what happens when we die. We have some ideas that there is reward and punishment on some level, but we don't even know what like our, you know, like I hope that I, my intentions are all good, but sometimes I catch myself being a bit of a scumbag and I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like I, I try not to judge people. I just try to protect myself and my family and society from the, the, the sin of weakness because it's so true. It's like when someone sins, they're all, they're just hurting themselves. The problem is sometimes there are, when you're dealing with children is the only time I don't accept that where it's like, if you're brainwashing and grooming kids into a life of weakness and, and self-destruction, that's actually like a aggressive act on someone else. 
because other than that, it's like, all you're really doing is hurting yourself. But with kids, they don't actually know any better. And so when I'm around a bunch of kids all the time and they're so fucking like naive, you could tell them anything and they do it. Like, that's why this trans kid thing is so, uh, I actually think it's evil. It's not just weak. It's evil because the innocence of a child, if you're like, you're a girl, they'd fucking believe it. Like if their father is like, you're a girl, we're going to give you hormone shots. Uh, they'd be like, okay. You know? And it's so fucking, that's like evil to me. Like the, the abuse and the manipulation of children to me is evil. You know, watching and then when, uh, when they commit suicide at a way higher rate than any other demographic, then it gets, then they throw it at people like you or me and say, Oh, it's because you're bullying that now that's yeah. where they're killing themselves. Not because they've completely annihilated their biochemistry. Yeah. And their identity. And they have, it's just so evil. It's just clearly evil. You know, if someone's watching porn squirting too much or like getting drunk or like, you know, has issues with rage and stuff. I, I'm not looking at you as evil. We all battle shit. It's a, it's about weakness. That's like, so you're going to be weaker and more susceptible to the next psyop. I could make an argument that it, that it does affect me, but I'm trying to live a world where it doesn't affect me. That's why I'm like pretty self-sustaining because when you're in a city and people are engaging in sins on that level, their weakness will make them completely uh, compromised to the next psyop. And so then when they all commit to that, it's going to just suck. So when you got a bunch of people with no ability to discern because they're just stuffing themselves with all this shit, you know, then everybody's got to wear a mask. And if you don't, people throw shit at you and yell at you. And that really is kind of like these weak fucking people's fault. And so um, that's why I don't live in a city because I don't want to have to be their dads. So that's why I live in an area where I'm actually weaker than a lot of men where I live. Like I live in an area where a lot of men are more responsible, more focused, less like I have weaknesses, you know? And so I like that. I like that. I actually have to rise more here than in a city and cities. I'm like, guys, if anything happens, these people are going to try and fucking eat your flesh. Fuck you. Like, I don't even know what they're going to do. You know, it's just like complete degeneracy. And there, it's just a powder keg in these cities. Because you can't rely on your neighbor. Your neighbor's probably like, Netflix isn't working. My dick won't get hard. I don't have my pills. Oh, dude, imagine when the hormones don't come from China. It's going to be like hills have eyes times a billion. All these, a lot of these like Wall Street guys and all these people, they're all jacked up and chiseled because they're taking fucking testosterone and HGH out of China. You got all these trans people. As soon as that flow of fake chemicals stops, it's going to be like, I'm melting. And then they're going to commit violent acts on each other. You know, it's just going to be fucking insane. And everyone's going to be like, why aren't you tolerant? And I'm like, oh, my God, dude, it stinks like poop and blood, you know? <laughs> oh, man. So we got about five minutes left. I think I have a variety of things I would love to ask. Maybe I'll do more, man. I'll always come back. Yeah, yeah. Um this can be like a yes or no answer. And then I'll get to my real last question, but is Alex Jones, Bill Hicks? I don't think so. Don't think so. I'm not going to say for sure. Some of the argument is compelling, but um, he's just too much of a dipshit. Like not to be a dick about (laughs) Alex, but like he really is, you know, Bill Hicks was like the man. I just don't see it. I don't see how, how that could, how Bill Hicks could, 
degenerate like that. And, you know, I have some love for Alex in certain ways, but he really does like get pissed off and hammered and scream at everybody and disappear. I'm just like, there's no way that's Bill Hicks. I mean, I don't know. And, and Alex is also super short in person. So I don't remember Bill Hicks being like five, three, you know? Okay, cool. I've just been wondering about that. And I figured you might have some insight, but my real last question is seeing as that you're the chief of this amazing Bertaria community. And I will have to have you back because there's plenty of other things I'd love to get into with you. But what do you, you know, as a final inspirational way of giving people something to close on, I know a lot of us out there are looking for community more than just the online and with the Bertaria and with like the Interverse Telegram chat, people are very stoked on having actually a place to land and people to connect with outside of yeah. just watching the stream. And you know, there are, there are people in my, my group on Telegram that are talking to each other every day, probably more than they talk to their real life friends. But in terms of like transitioning into a community that's authentically physical and fruitful, do you have any thoughts on what, how to, how people can go in that direction or what makes a community fruitful? Absolutely. Great question. It's like my brother's a tree climber and a tree guy, you know, and I, I worked in the tree industry for a while. And one thing you always want is to have yourself uh, tied in and you never want to reach for a branch when you, when you don't have your hand on the trunk. And so one thing that I could see happening that would be a problem that's probably happened many times in the past is a lot of people have an idea of utopia, which actually means nowhere, which is kind of a funny little thing. Utopia means nowhere. <laughs> and they like leave their area and they you go. You know, it means out. no place. And when it you think no of what place. Pla- place is a noun, like places have jurisdiction because of the noun, you know, the crown gives it the noun. Anyway, it's more well, like no place. So we actually do get utopia in a sense when we're no longer in the whole noun spell of person, place, thing that the legal system's predicated on. That's, Just that's a little interjection. Another level. That's very interesting. No place. So is that almost like, yeah, you're not under the crown? Yeah, you're not, you know, because place, place and uh, name, all that is fictional, doesn't exist in nature. More so, like, more like gays. <laughs> Anyway, I had to interrupt with that. No, no, I like that. I didn't know that. Maybe that's probably what utopia means. It's like outside of, yeah, that changes how I view it. But anyway, the point I was trying to make is like when people uproot and and like give up everything and then go somewhere with a bunch of people and they think they're going to start a community, starting a community from scratch is super, super hard and so much can go wrong. And I'm not, I never have done that. I'm not going to do that. What I recommend is, um, baby steps where you don't just completely uproot. Like I always, I tell people, no, 10 people within 10 miles is a great start. That's why Bertari Times app has regional area things. And we have a map where you can like look around and find other people in your area and have meetups, decentralized meetups. You know, like I'm not even in charge of any of this stuff. I just encourage people to do it where, you know, SoCal bears meet up or Tennessee bears meet up or Montana bears meet up. And they all just go to someone's land and they talk and they exchange stuff and they like, um, like in Southern California, they have their own farmer's market that they've set up and, and more and more bears are doing this. And then you go back to your life. Like you go back to your job and your family, but now you have a little more spark in you because you're around more like-minded people. And then 
I see it as a very long-term thing where the decentralized nature is very important where uh, it's just a, a shift in mentality. I also recommend people get chickens, not just get right into cows and think of get a thousand acres and become a rancher. So hard. Get a few chickens. They give you an egg a day. They're basically free and they're fascinating. And then it'll break the spell that there is actually a, um, a limit of food. Like you're like, Oh my God, food just comes out of this thing's ass. And you're like, it'll start to change in you. And then, um, and then, you know, you start getting to know more people in your area and then you realize you can decentralize the, uh, economy where like a chicken coop at the store could be 1500 bucks. But if you know a guy with an extra one, he'd just give it to you if he doesn't need it. And that is a whole game changer when it comes to, uh, to, um, uh, economics and same with labor. There's a labor shortage, but if you know 10 guys, they'll come over and help you build a barn. And that's, that's what I'm really trying to promote where it's not all or nothing. It's not like you have to leave the beast and go somewhere else because that's why, uh, you know, Jesus said the kingdom of God is within. We're talking about the connection of ether inside us where it's about changing your internal world and how you're interacting with the world. And then around you, slowly, you start experiencing this, this change. And then uh, it starts springing up everywhere. And the beauty of that model is it can't be stopped. Like, there's no way to, uh, you know, subvert it or stop it because it's just people's mentality and way of life changing. And so the things I recommend is in these Telegram chats or at Bertari Times, in a safe way, especially if you're like a woman, if you're like a woman by yourself, obviously never meet someone alone or anything, but have meetups, like have a barbecue, like have uh, a situation where someone can have people over. You guys hang out, you talk, you, you know, see if you meet anyone you like and, and go from there. And then from there, we can actually, the broader scale is you can actually start taking over the whole fucking thing. It's like, it's like they, the, the wicked can make the infrastructure and then you can just use it, you know, like you don't have to make new roads or new internet or new anything. You just have to make it good. Like a lot of these things are just empty vessels for whatever consciousness you want to put in them. And so the more you change your internal world and start doing it slowly with people in your area and develop trust, then you realize how little resistance you actually have uh, in these times and how much possibilities there actually are. Brilliant, man. Yeah, I love that. And especially the gravy about, you know, taking steps, not because that's what has been inflicted on most people is this whole instant gratification culture, especially why they won't try their hand at creative things, because it's like, if I can't write the whole book this yeah. weekend, then I'm not going to start, <laughs> yeah, totally. then, you know, and then back to all the other things we were talking about, what is making you stronger versus what is making you weaker. Think about this, that people out there, what you do every day or almost every day, what you do every week or several times a week, that's who you are kind of. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, take, make it a daily practice to take a step every day or as many days as you can in the direction you want to go with the full faith that, you know, at this, at the point where you get to the cliff's edge and you need to like jump off and fly, unseen forces are going to come to your aid. And the synchronicity yeah. will be there, but you got to put yourself in the position with the momentum so that when the leap, when you're ready to make the leap, you're actually ready. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. And other people aren't your enemy. That's another big shift 
in cities, I actually think they are, but it's it's because you're in that mouse utopia shit. But like other people, we have this this mentality that we've been fed of this zero sum game, this uh, you know, this survival of the fittest, total bullshit. It's like other people aren't out to take what you have if you live a even remotely natural lifestyle. So uh, other people aren't your enemy. They're actually collaborators, potential family members, potential business partners. Like if you view other people as resources, like actual value, which they are, it's miraculous. Like you couldn't invent a more valuable asset than another human being. Um, that's a big shift because right now so much of the mentality is like, oh, the sheeple, the herds, the masses, the, you know, the idiots, all this. And it's like, yeah, there are environments where I actually do think it's going to be like a zombie apocalypse, but it's not the people. Like people in a natural environment are actually incredible. And so, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a big step that I've learned is other people are not like movies and TV. It's like everyone's a murderer or a rapist or like going to steal from you or all this. And it's just not true. I mean, actual crime rates are so low that it's the world's a lot actually safer than most people would think outside of cities. Like and bringing the sheeple along with you, if you, if that's a goal for us, it's not about telling them the conspiracy that yeah, exactly. example wake them up. It's about showing them what an awesome life looks like. Exactly. Consistently exactly. showing them what it looks like to crush. And then they are going to want to know more about how you got there. If, if they so choose, but that's the way. Yeah, because there's sheeple and there's shepherds and you need both. It's like you need the wool. You don't get wool. You get wool from sheep, but sheep just aren't going to react. You can't like raise shepherds and get their wool. They're like, what the fuck? I'm, I don't have any wool. I'm a shepherd, you know? And so a lot of the truther types are like, why won't the sheeple see this abstract knowledge I'm trying to give them where they can metaphysically change? They, they don't think like that. But if you show them a, a good world, They'll work for, they'll work in that world and they'll, and they'll prosper. And they're actually a lot of quote unquote sheep are some of my favorite people. They just are easily spooked and they don't like, uh, feeling unsafe or afraid. And, but if you show them like a really nice, calm world that's like safer and, and less chaotic than the beast, they will absolutely, I, I do it all the time. They, they love it. You know, they, but they don't want to know about the Rockefeller white papers. Like they just shut off. And I understand why they shut off. They're not. The shepherd is looking way off in the distance for wolves and shit. And that's our job. We're like, we seem a little paranoid, but we're typically accurate. The sheep are like, I can't see that. What are you talking about? I don't even know what the fucking wolf is. I just know what loud noises are and fear, you know? And so really embrace the sheeple because they're not, they're just not designed the same way as a lot of shepherds. Yeah, man. This has been awesome. We got to wrap it up. So if you want to yeah, give your sure. plugs or any closing thoughts, it's been an honor and a super fun time to get to talk with you, man. I've loved what you've been doing since I came across you. Probably, I don't know, back maybe the first time you came on Crow, but yo. Yeah, yeah, this has been a great. I love, love listening it. to you too. Like when Gardner sent me your your stream, I, I got 20, 30 minutes in. I'm like, this is fucking great. I want to talk to this guy. Uh, okay. So people can get me at unauthorized.tv. That's where you always know I'll be. That's it's five bucks a month, but that allows us to have our own servers and platform and everything because I've been kicked off fucking everything. But, um, there are other, uh, mainstream that you can listen for free that as of right now seem pretty good. Like telegram, you said I'm on telegram or bitchute.com slash Owen Benjamin, or I'm on rumble and odyssey and all that stuff. And then 
If you want to join the app, it's app.bertariatimes.com or you can get the app wherever you get apps because the app is so clean that we're not even being censored at all. That's another trick. It's like, I can, my app is at the app store and it's like, yeah, I just downloaded it. Yeah. It's not at all controversial and it's, it's the ultimate truth or level where you get to a point where you don't even have to talk about fucking Bill Gates, you know? And so then also uh, the best, another, the safest way to contact me is PO box 490 Sandpoint, Idaho, 83864. I've developed a real good relationship with uh, the United States postal service is completely not converged or, and they're just great. So if anyone wants to send me a letter or anything in the mail, and I do a live stream every single day at unauthorized, and then you can watch it at um, libertylinks.io slash Owen Benjamin Live. You can see all the free sites if you want to watch for free, but they keep changing because I keep flicking switches. So, but, you know, I, we always keep that as a resource in case anyone needs it. Beautiful, man. Thanks again. It's been a blast. Can't wait to uh, connect again in the future. Much love. All right, sweet brother. Peace. Right, that was awesome. I'm super stoked about that. Not gonna lie, like I, w- I wouldn't say I was nervous. I definitely don't get nervous about podcasts, but because Owen is such a beloved figure, <laughs> I really, really wanted to make sure that this was good and that I did a good job. I think that that was a silly thing to be concerned about because this guy, he's definitely got the Gemini gift of gab and truth telling just comes naturally for for our guy big bear really love this conversation it definitely turned out exactly as amazing as my wildest dreams hoped that it could looking forward to doing more sometime down the road having him back or i don't know maybe if you guys like if there's like bear people bears in the interverse community that think it would be fun to see me go on his stream i would love to do that i'm sure we could get into some deep ether gravy together so maybe someone can float that idea by him see if that takes anyway uh so you may have noticed that this was a two-hour conversation and that there was not a split in the middle between the normal free hour and the subscriber only plus hour the reason i did that was for a couple of i guess you could call it strategic because i want to I'll be honest, I want to capitalize on the premiering of this episode to the huge community that Owen can draw in. You know, there's definitely that. That's part of it. But secondly, both of the platforms that I currently use for the premium content are platforms that kicked Owen off. So it felt like it would be kind of weird to then like ask people to go pay money to those platforms. I mean, they're paying money to me, but the platforms themselves are taking a cut Rockfin and Patreon. But just because I'm giving this whole thing as a free show, which just felt like the more fun option and definitely is fun. That doesn't mean that it's not still worth supporting me on Patreon or Rockfin. If you want to get the other premium shows that I do. In fact, in fact, before we got on the air, Owen was specifically telling me about how he doesn't have any animosity towards Rockfin. He's rooting Rockfin on. And he's even still in contact with the CEO or whatever. He doesn't have any ill will. I appreciate that. So with that being said, uh, if you do want to support what I do, you can find 
me on Rockfin or Patreon, interverse.podcast.com, interversepodcast.com. That's where you'll get links to all the things I do. And I'm reiterating that in case you're maybe of the uh, the Bertaria community and this is your first time coming across my work. There's a lot there that I think that you'll like. I absolutely think you'll like. Always, <laughs> we're all about the gravy here. <laughs> uh, so check my website out for links to all that. Other ways that you can support me, you can pick up the audiobooks that I've created, uh, narrated through Audible. There are links to those in the show notes. My narration of Dylan Sicosio's Spirit World, July's End with Black Swans, or Lindsay Sharman from Rogue Ways, her novel, Phytalis, uh, Sign Curve of Aeons. I recently got that approved through Audible, and it is now available for you to listen, and that's a fiction novel. So really great fiction that's got truth in it, or really great truth that's got nonfiction in it, <laughs> exposing the fiction. When it comes to the Dylan stuff, yeah, the episode with Dylan from, from last week was so good. We'll have to have them back soon too. Also big thanks to Topher Gardner for putting me into contact with Owen Benjamin and helping me make this connection. It was an awesome show. So excited. Uh, so a few things I think I want to talk about in the outro without being too wordy would be Back to that idea of original sin and karma. And there was a thread that we got into near the, in the first hour somewhere where Owen was talking about how when you come into the truth and you're talking about and discovering the rampant abuse against children and humanity and the human trafficking thing. And, you know, looking at all the boogeyman offers in the world and it can be a little scary. Like, oh, am I going to get, Am I going to get taken out for exposing the truth about this and that? I really wanted to bring this up with Owen and see what he thought about it, but I feel like he's already kind of there and I would rather just let him go in the organic flow of what he wants to talk about and what he wants to do than overly direct things. But I've talked about this before. I think it's very possible that even the idea of like death and murder and all of that is itself a psyop. That part of the reason why Hollywood is constantly pushing these like scary movies and horror stories and that it's on the news left and right, like mass shooting here, blah, 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 this. Maybe it's because the, the they, which as Gabriel calls it, the hierarchy evacuating you, T-H-E-Y, they, <laughs> the they, the vampires need us to believe that they have power over us and also need us to believe that the world is a scary messed up place where you can just get taken out of it by in some way that is not in alignment or meant to be with what your free will dictated that you came here to do. And I don't really believe that. So to put it in a nutshell, I think that maybe that if you are facing the truth, speaking the truth, if you're fear, fearless about it, how can something happen that wasn't meant to be right? So how could it, unless it was meant to happen, how could something then happened to you because you were doing the right thing and you're punished for doing the right thing. I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense to me. I've never been afraid of it. And I don't see how any of us should be, if that makes sense. I think that the whole targeted individual idea, the whole gang stalking, all these different phenomenon that get talked about in the conspiracy circles, maybe and 
outgrowth of people's fear and belief in the power of the they and empowering the boogeyman to actually be able to abuse them by believing it and perpetuating their belief in it through their behavior. I hope that makes sense. It's probably, I've probably explained it better other times. Uh, what else is worth getting into from that first hour? Man, <laughs> I just find it funny that people will look at a guy like him and say that he's perpetuating hate or whatever. The fact is, when we talk about groups of people, groups don't actually exist. So whatever minority identification that somebody might hold on to and think that they are that part of that group, the group is a fiction. There's only individuals. And what media has done with the LGBTs and the Qs and all that, and really with any way of dividing humanity into different fictional demographics, is to... I think the intent is to turn people in the, that identify as part of those groups against to turn them into their own doomsday weapon. Really? That's what it feels like to me. And so as much as we may, me, Owen, or people like us may talk about all that we see wrong with communities of people that identify with these things or, or pushing certain narratives or the worst part, trying to influence and indoctrinate children into thinking that behaviors that are not the way that nature does things are good, true, and beautiful. I think that that creates a scenario where you actually get naturally people are going to turn against that, turn against you if they're people that can see how corrupt it is. And so you, you know, the bullying of people in minority groups is actually I don't want to sound insensitive and be like, oh, you brought it on yourself. I don't think that they're really getting bullied so much as they're creating, they're creating the conditions through which <laughs> their own downfall in their individual life is accelerated by the very fact of the nature that what sin is, isn't some original blemish or stain that human beings are brought into the world already carrying and containing. So much as it's what is making you weaker, what is antithetical to nature, like the wrath of God, if you want to have that phrase in your vernacular, should not be understood in any other way except that when you do something inverted or out of sync with how nature would do a thing, the results are going to be less than fruitful, maybe even toxic. And that just it's as simple as that. So sin is its own punishment. It doesn't need to have any more like fancy mysticism attached to it. Doesn't need a lake of fire at the end of the lifetime. Doesn't need reincarnation as a bug. I think it's as simple as that. And we can live our life that way. And it's, you know, you can even take the word sin out of the equation and look at your life like how you orient your life, how you lead yourself through life as being motivated by what gives you the sense and feeling of energy and vitality and strength and power and to go towards that. Because when you have a conversation like with what I just had with Owen, there's a natural, what you could call, <laughs> you know, in, for lack of a better word, intoxication of fellowship, but it's not intoxication because I'm not like out of my mind, you know, but there's a buzz to it. There's a better word a better word that gets associated with intoxication. There's a buzz to it. There's an energetic increase from that. So 
if you pay attention and you set your mind, which is a brilliant pattern recognition uh, device, if you will, to recognizing the pattern of when you do something, do you feel more energized and more strong after that or during that or less? Do you feel more tired, more run down after it? And it's totally safe. It's totally permissible to actually just follow the fun and do what is most fun. That doesn't mean you don't work hard because there's things that you can do that are hard work that actually make you feel more energized when you're doing it. And afterwards, like I did legs day today in the gym and legs day is hard. (laughs) I have to make myself do it, but I feel way more awake, alive and strong after and especially during than if I didn't do it. So it's not about avoiding challenges. It's about strategically moving towards and setting yourself up to have challenges that are actually going to make you stronger. I know that this is probably basic stuff for most of you, but it is what I wanted to share. Now, also, if you're new around here, you came from the bear community or you just need a reminder. I work one-on-one with people and do tuning with tuning forks. I alluded to it with Owen where we can help each other out. (laughs) Mostly, the whole point of the process is to bring balance to the ether that is your body vessel. And there's really very few things that it isn't helpful for, to be honest. It's an amazing process. So if you go to my website, interversepodcast.com slash sound dash healing, or get into the show notes here and find the link to that, you can see videos and, and there's a page there about the whole process. If it's something you're curious about, there's really very little that I wouldn't recommend it for in terms of it being helpful. And like the simplest terms of what it can do for somebody is take you from maybe having like 80% of your natural energy or 60% of your natural energy and bring you closer to 100%. And that's going to manifest in all kinds of things that maybe you were putting off or you weren't quite able to complete in your life that you're going to have the energetic throughput to see to the end and finish what you started. That's the basics of it, but you know, it could help with pain, you know, pain, painful situations in your body. It could help you with uh, processing emotional trauma or grief or any number of things. It's amazing. I'd love to work together. So hit me up. You can just email me if you want more information. Chance at interversepodcast.com. I also do one-on-one counseling, if you want to call it that, where I, we've looked at some I Ching and tarot cards and we let synchronicity and uh the universal creative intelligence come through us and bring forth the message that is most empowering to you in that moment for what you're trying to achieve or just what you need to hear. It's super amazing. And if you want, we can even double it up and do a tuning session and follow up with the counseling session. That's a good option. People do that. <laughs> uh, so also if you want to get into uh, our awesome tribe on telegram, I highly recommend that the universe chat on telegram is one of the coolest places in the entire digital ether that you could ever get involved with. Tons of geniuses there. Join up, ask questions, share information, get into the good vibes. You know, I'd love it. I'd love to see more of you there. It's a great, great time. And then I think I'm going to finish off by playing us out with a track from recent guest, Alex Michael a.k.a. the Conspiracy Music Guru. But before that, let me just reiterate one time, uh, one more time. 
it's super worth it and valuable to go listen to Owen's live streams. You know, catch it live or not. That's not really what's important. What's important is that he's, at least for me, as a man, I find it extremely valuable to be able to listen to somebody that is constantly bringing attention back to what would be like the most heroic masculine perspective possible, the least weak perspective, the least disempowered, conceding nothing to parasites and taking full responsibility for everything about our life. I get a lot of value out of that. (laughs) I think that you guys would too, man or woman. And I also hope that you guys understand, you know what? Fuck that. I I don't want to say it that way. Like there's a disclaimer or whatever, but instead of, I hope you guys understand, let me just say, I know that you understand that when we talk about men and women and the dynamics of the different genders and psychology, that's different. It is not because one is better or one is worse. Nobody's saying that (laughs) this is definitely not what we mean by that. And I know you realize that. So probably wasn't even necessary to say it, but We've been so trained to be defensive about speaking the truth and defensive about observing reality. When it, it's like that uh, Baudrillard quote about hyper reality that when the conditioning is so strong through media, whenever the actual truth appears, it seems foreign because you've already been looking, because human beings have already been looking at reality through the lens of the fiction, through the filter of the fiction, that truth is. Stranger, a stranger to fiction, as Clint Richardson says. But yeah, I'm going to play this out with a track by Alex Michael, the conspiracy music guru. This is a favorite of mine from his Flat Earth album called Puppet Show. I hope you dig it. Hope you guys that are new to the show go and check out some more of the episodes on Interverse. We have really good stuff. Would love to see more of you tune, tune in to the Wednesday night Vibrant shows. Those have been amazing. Just getting better and better. And I appreciate you so much for the support and for tuning in and for building the better world in your personal universe, because that helps all of us out, helps everybody. The whole universal ether is you. It's in you. It is you. And so the more healing, wholeness and strength that you embody, the more that there is accessible for the entire cosmos, the entire universe. It is fractal like that. So you recognize that you never doubt. Never doubt it that what you're doing to better yourself is also bettering the entire world. Much love, everybody. I'm going to enjoy this track now. (laughs) Hope you guys dig it too. Check the show notes for links to all the things. And I'm excited for the next one. All right, everyone. Bye-bye. Something about the space station It's only really there in your imagination That thing ain't real It's science fiction It's there to feed your space addiction Those astronauts are not in space It's written all over their stupid face See, I can spot a lie from a hundred miles And I can spot a fraud from the way they smile Didn't you learn nothing from the fake moon Missing that 
puppet show from President Nixon. Well, listen up, they're doing it again, it seems. Check out the harnesses and green screens. I used to work a lot in film and TV. I know a bit about the television trickery to create the illusion that you're somewhere that you're not. A green screen is what you're gonna use a lot. Or if you wear a harness and attach it to the ceiling, the illusion that you're floating is what they'll be believing. All y'all watching is a puppet show, yeah, the whole world's a stage. Astronauts, they're actors, of course, and yeah, they all get paid. Look at me, ma, I'm floating in space. No, you're not, you're lying to the human race. So let me tell you something about a zero-G plane. This thing flies up and then down again. Some weird stuff happens if you're on the inside. You start to float as the plane takes a dive. You simply add an actor that's trained to deceive. And you got yourself an astronaut, or so you believe. Plane flies up and that's everyone's cue. Then action, we got some deceiving to do. Plane flies down and then everyone knows to start the ISS live show. Floating in a plane with zero G, but you only see astronauts on your TV. All y'all watching is a puppet show, yeah, the whole world's a stage. Astronauts, they're actors, of course, and yeah, they all get paid. Look at me, ma, I'm floating in space. No, you're not, you're lying to the human race. Another thing I noticed when I looked at these fools They're filming spacewalks in buoyancy pools NASA's gonna tell you that it's just for training To practice for space station maintaining Well, I thought about that, but if that's the case Then why the hell can I see bubbles in space? Take a hard look at the next spacewalk And tell me if you can see bubbles at all Open your eyes, man, I'll bet you a quarter Those spacewalks are filmed underwater I can see space bubbles everywhere Hey, NASA, how the hell did those get there? All y'all watching is a puppet show Yeah, the whole world's a stage Astronauts, they're actors, of course And yeah, they all get paid Look at me, ma, I'm floating in space No, you're not, you're lying to the human race So when you see an astronaut aboard the ISS, take another look at your TV set. They're pretty good at faking, so you gotta look close. Pay some attention to the way the actor floats. If you ask me, that ain't zero gravity, but Hollywood effects that I see on my TV. Take a good look at the whole damn thing. These lying bastards are just puppets on a string. It's all a big science fiction puppet show. The game's up, assholes, cause we all know. Thanks for the show, NASA. It's been a blast. Now take your fake station and shove it up your All y'all watching is a puppet show. Yeah, the whole world's a stage. Astronauts, they're actors, of course, and yeah, they all get paid. Look at me, ma, I'm floating in space. No, you're not, you're lying to the whole human race. All y'all watching is a puppet show, yeah, the whole world's a stage. Astronauts, they're just actors, of course, and yeah, they all get paid. 
Look at me, ma, I'm floating in space. No, you're not. You're lying to the whole human race, man. All you're watching is a puppet show. Yeah, the whole world's a stage. Astronauts, they're actors, of course. And yeah, they all get paid. Look at me, ma, I'm floating in space. No, you're not. You're lying to the whole human race. All you're watching is a puppet show. Yeah, the whole world's a stage. Astronauts, they're just actors. 